You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we've assembled some fun people to talk about season seven of The Flash. <laughs> but before we get to talking about that, let's meet our cast for this week. So starting off, she is our Arrowverse adept, and that is cool Cammy. How are you doing, Cammy? I am doing so well, but I am freezing right now. I am in what I just referred to as Elsa's Frozen Dungeon, and I just feel like that's the Disney crossover we don't need. But other than that, I'm doing great. Me and my cold heart are ready to talk about The Flash today, Nathan. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, see, see, you have it nice, though, because you can leave that. I live in Elsa's Playland. Uh, here in Wisconsin so you know I have the opposite problem where it's like I just need a little bit of warmth just 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 a little warmth (laughs) so yeah so um what's been going on for you since the last time you were on I have been gearing up for Dragon Con. I'm so excited. That is coming up in just a couple weekends. So I will be there chatting about Supergirl and Superman and Lois and Batwoman and Mulan and super parenting and Arrow and WandaVision and pretty much everything except the Flash. So today's kickoff (laughs) is me getting Flash out of my system so I don't have to think about it then. All right. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. And of course, they just announced uh, last week that they were actually going to require proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test. So I know that that's pretty helpful because that's one of the things that I was really worried about with Dragon Con, which is why I'm not going this year. Yes, absolutely. I will be happily flashing my vaxi card. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, I, I was like, oh, my God, this has super spreader event written all over it. So oh, I'm, uh, I'm glad they're they're going to have those restrictions on there. But, uh, yeah, it's good to have you back on the show, Cammy. Great to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. All right. So next up, he is our savvy storyteller, and that is the stupendous Sean. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing good. Wait, wait, you forgot my title. But your your title my t- the world's foremost flash oh fan. my god how did i forget that <laughs> on a flash saying, episode right? <laughs> that's like, right I'm... you're the world's foremost flash fan i am so sorry yeah, well, you've been neglecting that, that for like 25 years and you forgot like what <laughs> what the hell man <laughs> I'm yes. sorry. I was so focused on alliteration that I completely I, you forgot were. like <laughs> the real like thing here. So yeah, like, uh, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm feeling a little hurt. A little hurt. No, I'm fine. I'm good. No, it's it's good. We're actually also getting ready for Dragon Con here. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, uh, my wife and I have a booth there, and uh, one way or the other, we were going because we weren't going to lose out on all that money. Um, mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know. Everybody else who decided, oh, you know what? I'll just, I'll not go to DragCon this year. If we choose not to go, 
we're not allowed to come back next year. We have mm -hmm. to go through the vetting process again. And they could say, you know what? They didn't show up when we needed them. We're not going to let those vendors back in. So we were kind of forced, no matter what, requirements or not, we had to kind of go. And that was a little scary. And uh, everybody else who, you know, is so happy about the, the, the vaccination requirements, we are right there with you. And the folks who are not happy about it, we're like, look, we were being forced to go. This is helping protect us. So we're very happy about that. So um, we're, we're very, very excited to go and see all our friends and be safe and, you know, sell a bunch of cool stuff. And I am ready to talk about Barry because I have words and <laughs> you know me, yes. I'm usually the silver lining in the cloud. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of cloud today, okay? You know you did wrong, Berlanti, when you've got Sean coming at you. For when, the flash. I have to, when I have to try, you know it's bad. Right. All right, let's get to have you back on the show, Sean. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no problem. All right, so finally, right now, he's being a hook for hurricanes, and that is my rival, Ryan. How are you doing, Ryan? Uh, high and dry, pretty much, at the moment. Um yeah, unfortunately, I guess I'm the, the sourpuss. I will not be going to DragonCon this year. Although I got to admit, the vaccination news was kind of a, ooh, do we want to go? Um, but, uh, you know, so here's the thing. Like, the moment I saw the news, I was like, yeah, maybe we're going to try this after all. And then I read the comments on Facebook uh, from people, and I was like, mm, <laughs> I think I think it was – I, uh, it's just crazy but uh i uh, were there people I, talking about forging it or something uh, among other things yeah. i mean yeah you know just just ways to get around it or or just how their civil liberties were being you know Ooh. uh destroyed or something like that it's like yeah. uh you know i mean it's like it's it's so close and honestly i could probably still be talked into it but it right now i'd have to say it is it's not going to happen. I, All right, it's about to say, up. you're only like I've, a week yeah. and a half out yeah, at this on. point. Yeah, you I've need to given, admit. The room is gone, although I don't, honestly, I don't oh. think I'd be able to, I, I could probably get another one. It would yeah. just be, uh, of course, here's the thing, right? I, I would have to go, uh, I'm in, I'm currently, uh, for work reasons, in New York. It's like, hey, you know, Ryan, we want to send you to New York for some training. You want to go? It's like, New York City? Heck yeah, I'll go. And then like, oh, there's a hurricane there, you know? <laughs> sure, why not, you know? But then it's like, you know, I'll be here just long enough to uh, turn around and go straight to Atlanta if I decide to do that. And I'd have to buy all my t-shirts there, which I guess I could do, you know? <laughs> but, um, well, yeah. It, so. If it does help, Ryan, and this is something that I do console myself with, a lot of people were concerned about a couple weeks ago with Lollapalooza having yeah. their whole thing. And Lollapalooza did exactly what DragonCon was mandating, which is you have to have your vaccinations or you have to show that you have a negative test. And they didn't require masks and they turned into a non super spreader event out of 40,000 people. Only a hundred people picked up COVID from that event. Yeah, I read so, like 200 and something, but they were also yeah. an outdoor event versus. Right. But that's why they also have masking. So when you yeah. include masking, I, I really feel like Dragon Con is trying to do its very best. Plus it seems like they're actually going to have on-site vaccinations. You can do quick uh, and also quick oh, nice. testing. So they're yeah. trying to do everything they can to make sure that people feel oh, yeah. safe. My, my, so. my, my, Criticism is not with the powers that be at DragonCon. Right. I, I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like they're doing everything that the law allows them to do. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's obviously other issues. And, and right. I mean, um, honestly, I would feel that way with pretty much any major con with 50,000 people right now inside. Yeah. yeah. I feel you. Yeah, I absolutely do. But, you know, one thing I do console myself with is a lot of these people may be so hung up on their principles of I'm not going to give up my liberties. They probably just won't go. 
And that's okay. It means that we'll have less of those people around. So that I, I'm consoling myself with the fact that it's probably going to be uh, a lot of noise before, but during yeah. the show, it'll probably be a lot of nothing, at least fingers well, crossed. The thing that gets me is, right, it's like uh, there are the people who've been vaccinated and they've mm-hmm. said they've been vaccinated and that's great. Love them. There are people who said they're not vaccinated and they're not getting vaccinated and they're idiots, but fine. At least they're principled. It's the people who said, well, do I have enough time to get my vaccination? You know, and I mean, there was a large pe- um, uh, group of them and I'm like, so basically, it took the, the risk of not going to Dragon Con to convince you to get your vaccination. You know? I'm like, hey, if that's what it takes. That's hey, what it hey, takes. But yeah. See, here's the <laughs> thing, Ryan. So, 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 you know, I have my annual D and D game that I didn't get to have last year because yeah. of COVID. And you know, normally we have it Memorial Day weekend, but even this year it was like well, Memorial Day weekend's too soon. You know, mm. people are still getting their vaccinations; they're not going to be fully vaccinated, whatever. So we're deciding to have it Labor Day weekend. You know, the same weekend as Dragon Con. Yeah. And one of the guys wasn't going to get vaccinated until I said, "You're not coming to this house." without your vaccination and so he was like well if that's if that's your rule for your house then i will do it and i'm like hey i did my good deed for the year right like i mean (laughs) mean, seriously i got got somebody who wasn't going to get vaccinated to get vaccinated so if you look at it that way it's like yeah really is this is what took it like you didn't think of your like grandparents or anything because i know his his grandparents are still alive and they do family you know stuff and he said his brother was even mad at him for not getting vaccinated i'm like you don't get vaccinated for grandma but you're gonna get vaccinated to come to (laughs) my house i mean honestly at this point i mean i i I convinced him to do it yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. at this point, any port in a storm. If it, if it's Dragon Con that gets you to get vaccinated, great. If it's your grandparents, great. If it's going to your buddy's house because you haven't seen him, you really want to see your buddy and play a and d game or whatever, great. You know, uh, the more people are vaccinated, the less chance that this uh, virus has to mutate. And there was your five-minute controversy, Nathan. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't think any of us are pro-virus, so I don't know. Right, we're yeah. not, none of us are pro-virus. <laughs> I'm a villain, but I'm not crazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even Lex Luthor's like, dude, science is awesome. Go get the shot. Like, <laughs> it's like that scene in The Rocketeer where it's like, I'm a criminal, but I'm not a Nazi. <laughs> like... Oh, man, I love The Rocketeer. The Rocketeer is so great, but right. that's not what we're here to talk about. Right, no, man, that's not what we're here to talk why about. Why are we here but... to talk about The Rocketeer, Nathan? Why? why? Well, we no, talk... I mean, if we want to do The Rocketeer, we can definitely do The Rocketeer. I think it's like, next. wait, is this year its anniversary or is it next year? I can't remember if it's a 91 or a 92 movie. It's a 91, I believe. Yeah, so it it would be this year. Oh, it would be this year. So yeah, maybe later this year year. we should do a Rocketeer. We should. uh, Yeah, yeah. No, that's actually a good idea. I'll put that down on the list because I'm I'm actually trying to like, you know, help my memory by like writing down all my stuff and like putting it in a spreadsheet and stuff and even trying to schedule them. So yeah. How did this one get past Joe and Gary? How is that not like, you know... uh a panel right there it was but there's so much that they were trying to do this year they've had to cut so much out you know because they have the cleanings in the rooms too though you know for clothes for cleaning very very yeah very popular panel from what i understand yeah sorry about that yeah it it, it was taken over by howard the duck ryan (laughs) and that's the correct choice (laughs) (laughs) all right but we're not talking about any of that (laughs) ryan it's good to have you back on the show good to be back all right so yeah normally we'd have our five minute controversy but because we have some timing stuff going on with this episode definitely wanted to get in all our comments about season seven of the flash so we're going to table that for this time uh so we're going to talk about the flash after we pause through this promo from another fine podcast tired of the same old movie podcasts yeah what if i told you there's a podcast that gabs about good and bad movies why are you spreading such lies it's true you rascal every week double edge double bill mixes that scrumptious taste of good movies with the sour flavor of a bad one that sounds tasty well don't delay 
stuff it down to your ear throats today. Double-edged double bill is part of the Balance ESO Network Breakfast. can be found wherever you download podcasts. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. And we're back. And like we mentioned, we are talking about season seven of The Flash this time. And before we say anything, I'm going to do the thing I always forget, which is to say that we are going to do spoilers. Uh, so if you haven't seen season seven of The Flash, first of all, I'm not sure why you're listening to that episode, although I'm glad you are. But you might want to pause if you don't like spoilers and watch the season and then come back. Um, but the other thing that I want to mention is disclaimer. I understand this season was made under COVID conditions. Uh, I realized that there were choices that had to be made, uh, both from a production and a script standpoint that, you know, were made because of COVID. I do not think criticisms of those things that were done because of COVID are valid criticisms of this season. And we're not going to, you know, you know, go into that. Um, the, the things that we're going to talk about are things that are totally in control of the, uh, of the writers, actors, etc. of the series. Um, so with all that being said, Cammy, this is your first time on the show talking about the flash with us. So before we even get into season seven, if you could just kind of tell us how you felt about the last season, season six of the flash. I think season six of The Flash built on structural problems that seasons one through five set up. And then when we get into season seven, and I know we're going to talk about that eventually, what we did not see were more structural issues. We saw peaks behind the curtains because some of the frills had to be pared back due to what you said, COVID. But we don't have that excuse for season six. So it while it may have had some more, um, I guess I'll say, engaging moments, it built in a way that is not as excusable as what we see in season seven. We start to lose some of the key relationships that kept this show engaging. We start to build on a hero who has not evolved past fundamental villain tendencies. And we are choosing in season six to ignore it in ways that we had sort of hand waved away in one through five. So I see a lot of the problems of the first sort of set really 
really kind of get doubled down on in season six. That that's my overall feeling, but I continue watching because there are a couple key characters that I do care about. And that kind of draw me in. It's not just because, you know, it kind of, it's kind of fun to hate watch things sometimes. <laughs> it's not just that it's because I, you know, I, I like seeing, Joe West and the West family. I love mm. seeing the only good female friendship on this show between Caitlin Snow and herself, Killer Frost. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love seeing some of these moments. And I, 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 it's almost also like watching a train wreck in slow motion, seeing some of the things that the, again, can, committing to the metaphor, this, this structural foundation that they've ignored, building a hero kind of collapse on them because now they're trying to double down that this is the ultimate hero and that plot and that character is not there. Okay. All right. So yeah, we're going to get more into that. I think um, the first thing that I want to talk about though, because even though I do kind of want to, because they, they have very much gone into the mode of like calling the, they even call them graphic novels now and how they break up the season. And so it's like, right. we have the end of graphic novel two at the beginning of the season. And then we mm -hmm. have graphic novel three, graphic novel four. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm going to get into that structure um, a bit, but first I want to talk about something that kind of looms large over the season, which is of course the removal of Ralph Dibney um, from the season. Um, now, yeah, yeah, just one second, John. Now I'm going to say, first of all, we've talked about this before on the show, mm -hmm. their decision to fire him is not what is in question here. What to fire Hartley Sawyer is not in question here because obviously the things that he said were inexcusable and I completely understand and support the studio's decision to fire the actor. But we have problems from a storytelling standpoint when season six was one of the main through lines was, in fact, maybe the only thing that was a through line through the whole season was the idea of Ralph Dibney finally becoming a hero from, from this sort of misunderstood guy that was kind of helping out to actually taking his role as a hero to the point where Barry even said, if anything happens to me, Ralph, Central City is yours. Like you need to protect it. And, and him taking sort of that role. And then of course, the wonderful, Wonderful. One might almost say perfect relationship between Sue and Ralph uh, that we had. The love story that this show has wanted to have for so long. <laughs> the only good love story this show has ever seen. Let's right, exactly. And, and we have it with two characters that weren't even like a gleam in their eye at the beginning of the show. Right. And I think that, you know, because one of the things that I've asked before is should they have recast him? And now having seen a season where Ralph is completely absent, I realize there's problems with recasting, but I think that was a huge mistake because of what it does to the relationships and the characters on the show. So I'm just going to throw that open. Sean, I know that this is something near and dear to your heart. So why don't you start us off on this one? Right. No elongated man. What do you think? It's it was a it was a terrible move. Uh, no elongated man recasting um, Dibney is the easiest thing in the world to do. He can morph his face. You could have written a storyline at the beginning of the season. Ralph Dibney is wanted for X Y Z crime. He can't show his face anymore. He permanently changes his face and takes on the name Plastic Man. Done. Move on to the next storyline. We all know it's still Ralph. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Sue's there. It's great. Um, they didn't do that, and we have to admit the fact that. Uh, um, Dreyfus and Sawyer had such a great 
chemistry mm-hmm. part of the fear is can we get somebody else who would have that same chemistry with, with uh, Dreyfus as far as that Ralph Sue magic because as you said we've been looking for that love story since the beginning of the flash and as much as I love the main cast our Iris and our Barry do not have the chemistry they just don't you know and it's hard because part of the whole structure of the flash is their love and their ability to be a couple with one another is supposed to be the thing that drives through all hardships and this is not a a, a, a criticism of candace Patton um or uh, of uh, our flash it just happens to be the fact that their on-screen chemistry is like a five and for this relationship you need like a nine or a ten and that's what we got with ralph and sue so then you find out that our, our Ralph is just, just just had made some extremely poor choices, got called on it, and, and uh, you know very understandably lost that gig. How do you replace that magic? Mm-hmm. And one thing I thought while going through this season, especially as we got to the end of it, and we started to see Sue evolve more into like this Black Widow character, which I'm sure we'll get into, right. um, was what if they did an inverted identity crisis where Sue finds Ralph dead? Mm. That could be a great turning of expectations in upcoming seasons and 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 finally give ralph closure because i don't think we're ever going to get another ralph i think that they're just going to let it lie um, no, they were they're definitely trying to keep the door open because she even says like ralph yeah. is busy right now when she shows up so they're leaving the door open then in the later season yeah. they could bring someone but that's the thing you're, you're exactly right about the problem with recasting because even though yeah. it's easy because of his power mm-hmm. it's you need to go through a lot of people do a lot of screen tests so much to make sure Sure that if you do bring in a new person they, that mm-hmm. they have that same chemistry uh with natalie dreyfus because yeah if you don't have that chemistry it's just not gonna work it's just not gonna work exactly and that's the thing that's killing me about this is because that was you know you and i talked about it we talked about season four and season five and season six how they had built up you know uh the elongated man as this really great character how barry finally had you know um a, a, a mentee uh He's the mentor. What's the, the his Padawan? Excuse me for the Star Wars <laughs> reference, but you know he had a Padawan the that he apprentice. could finally start to. Yeah, and a, thank you, an apprentice that he could finally start to you know teach what he had learned, and that's a big part of the Barry Allen Flash story is that he becomes a mentor to so many other heroes. We don't get that without Ralph, and then Ralph just disappearing. It, it, it's it's hard. It, it is hard to do, and, and I, I think Cammy had a really good point with the fact that we keep playing on this idea that Barry's still learning to be a hero. He's past that and he's not grown at all. And I'm really tired of season C, uh, seeing season two Barry show up in season seven. Like, it's like, come on, like he's he's past this stuff. I mean, hell, even the arrow, the green arrow finally said, I'm not going to brood anymore after like season five. And people would, like, I kept waiting for arrow episodes where like, you're like, oh, he's going to go broody. He's going to he's gonna go total angel and Bruce Wayne and he's just going to brood his brood off. And he would look at the camera and he goes, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to brood. And he wouldn't brood. And then here comes Barry. I want to see like, like a version of arrow that's like the office where they like cut to him talking to a camera and he's like, I'm not going to go brood this time. And right. I'm not going to go brood, right, you know? And then here's Barry, and Barry's just taking buckets of brood, just uh, all the brood. And I'm just... Well, well, the thing that makes you want to throw a table is when, you know, we, we, get, we have our episode that we need to have every season now to show that Barry hasn't learned, where he's like, you know what? You know what I'm going to do, guys? I'm going to time travel. And it's like, <sighs> what the hell? Like, Jay Garrick. Yes. Jay Garrick. The actual Flash, the guy who is actually the one that convinces you that he's a superhero, told you, Barry, don't do it. Because every time you do it, you think you're making things better and you always make it worse. That was like season three. 
Yep. We're on season seven. <laughs> At this point, when it comes to Barry traveling back in time and, you know, potentially killing people in the process, I, I, I cannot assume that they expect us to suspend disbelief and still see him as a hero in those moments. Cause I've been right. saying since seasons one or two, Barry Allen is a villain. He is consistently making selfish choices for his own emotions, not for the safety of others that put the people who have cared for him the most at risk. Right. So with Eddie dying, you know, I don't really care about Eddie, but Barry should care about Eddie because the people that he loves cared about Eddie. He's putting the West family at risk when they have saved his life and raised him. You know, there, there's consistent choices he makes based on his own emotions. And that is the definition of a villain. And the fact that he's continuing to do that, but they're doubling down on him being a hero. And as Sean pointed out, a hero mentor, as he is supposed to be, really creates this fundamental structural issue. And they haven't taken the time to really explore him as a hero mentor because the fact that one person one out of seven seasons in this show gets fired and we have lost the one person barry has mentored is a huge problem the fact that ralph was the one person he's poured into the fact that he told this one person that this you can you can care for central city in my absence that's a plot atrocity because he has a whole team around him who's poured into him. And there's one guy who is a shaky superhero at best, who is having to carry the weight of the hero mantle, carry the weight of the questionable to hero storyline progression and carry the weight of the romantic plot line of this show that's too much weight on one person that one person gets fired this entire show has lost those three critical elements because the main hero doesn't have it and has not poured it into other people yeah and, I mean, know, the really I... disappointing thing is that they brought in wally too or i mean we mentioned this right. before yeah. many times but like oh. that's that's one of the main things in the flash comic storyline is the idea of wally as the person who learns from barry and becomes barry's successor when barry dies yeah. and you know instead they brought in you know an actor who did a great job as wally west but he didn't want to just be like you know the the wally west the sidekick that's always told hey you can't suit up with the rest of us because we want to keep you safe and understandably I think the actor was just like, I, I want to do other things, you know, and it, it was bad, you know, as it, because, yeah, I mean, I would have liked to have seen Wally be that person because then it makes sense because this is the show about the Flash. Right. So another speedster being the person that is like his apprentice, you know, makes a lot of sense with that. And right. uh, yeah, well, it's we, funny because, you know, when I introduced you to the Flash got 20 years ago and whatnot, mm -hmm. my whole pitch about the Flash is it's generational. There's a family of them. It's not just one person. Mm -hmm. And the problem that the, the, the DCW has done with Flash is they have doubled down that Barry is the ultimate incarnation. And you know my argument. My argument is that Barry's best, the best thing that Barry has ever done is die. Mm -hmm. And that's because before he was able to fully realize his flaws and his strengths, he died doing something that nobody else could do. He saved the entirety of creation. And in that process, he was able to show what a hero can be, even though sometimes he makes selfish decisions. He still did the ultimate sacrifice. And we saw that with, again, my first boy, 1990 Flash, John Wesley Shipp in the suit, doing that role. And that mm -hmm. should have been our Barry. 
Our mm-hmm. Barry should have done that, and they should have handed it off to a new Flash, a Wally, because the Wally version of the Flash grew up under this shadow and kept trying to meet this ideal. And at a certain point, he becomes better than his mentor. And we don't even realize that for years until he understands that and he starts training his kids. And then Barry comes back and Barry's like, oh my God, I didn't know you could do all this. I didn't know how much of a hero you were. And he's like, well, that's because I'm the Flash, baby. You know, like that's how Wally is, right? You know. And then DC says, yeah, we're just going to get rid of Wally. And they rip him out. And in the comics, they've been struggling with it ever since because they don't know what to do because Barry is suffering from the same problems that our DC uh, uh, CW version is suffering from, which is he's a very emotional character and he makes really horrible choices. You know, and uh, I get that, you know, he's trying to do the right thing. He just happens to screw up a lot, which I understand we all do. But dang it, die, Barry. Let's <laughs> take over. Yeah, well, I'm not going to revisit because we know how upset yeah, I, I know, was. I know. That the one thing that's been consistent since episode one of The Flash was that newspaper article. Yes! So the one thing that needed payoff was the news and it's like oh but we pulled an alternate barry allen from another earth and we let him die and that pays off the news no no it doesn't it does not pay off the newspaper article the scientific problem they were running into is that the plot line that you are arguing for which by the way is far better than what we've had to see for the last seven seasons relies on barry allen being able to believably fall in love and produce children and several seasons into this there's no way i can suspend disbelief enough to to actually buy into the fact that this guy is producing a child with any human woman i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i would believe he's a speedster before i would believe that he has produced a child that's just pushing science too far that's why they had that ooky scene this season where um where um oh god um our new our new scientist Character. Come on, man! It's Chunk, man. Chunk, it's chunk. yeah, yeah, yeah Chunk. Uh, he 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 comes into the Star Labs like thing, and like Iris and Barry are like coming out and putting their you know shirts back in and everything, and it's like really at work, you know. Yeah. But it's like, oh, that's how we show everybody that they're getting it on all the time. And I'm like, that still doesn't convince. Like, that's you trying to force the audience to accept something that, that should have been a season two scene, you know? Right? right? Like, we should have seen that season two, and then they should have really built on. We have to give them more not intimate moments, but more moments of. of, of not fake drama intimacy you know right. yeah yeah, yeah. I, that I just... scene had so much like underlying discomfort and dread i'm like did for one of us. them have to like negotiate <laughs> for a bonus to be willing to do this like it's just so uncomfortable to watch it is all right so so ryan i'm sorry i mean for once this is rare you have been shut out from a conversation <laughs> ryan sorry i'm sorry i cannot believe this it's been interesting to listen to because uh, uh a lot of it i i echo uh, uh yeah i mean as much as i like grant gustin i i do feel a lot of the problems come from his casting i mean he he made uh, a great new flash but he he lacks the gravitas to come across as the mentor as mm. the take seriously uh, uh yeah I, I i hate to interject just one thing but i'm gonna say it right now the problem is he was introduced as oliver's apprentice yeah And then we want him to also take on and mentor other people at the same time where we never feel like he's graduated from being Oliver's apprentice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's, I think he's going to be one of those actors who looks like he's 22 until he's 50, you know, Uh, one day he's just going to wake up and say, my God, what happened to this guy? (laughs) Um, But until then, you know, he just, it's just hard to take him seriously as the mentor. And I mean, to the point that, you know, uh, Kimmy made, it's like, he's the villain because he's even more villain because, 
it's not that he makes all these emotional decisions for himself. It's the fact that as a mentor, he tells everyone not to do the things he does. He mm-hmm. knows he's wrong. He knows what the right thing is, but he's incapable of, of doing it. Um, he learned that from Oliver, though. Well, that's fair enough. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, I mean, but at least Oliver had the excuse of, you know, he's always sleeping with the people, whereas Wally, I mean, I'm sorry, Barry <laughs> isn't. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, and I, I, the thing, but the, the ultimate speaking of structural flaws with this series for me i feel it's always been and this is true actually i think with almost every cw uh, series is i think no one is more surprised when they get renewed for a second or a third or a fourth or a fifth season than they are um and so it's like wally should not have been brought in until like season five at the earliest uh, maybe even not even till now but they had to bring him in immediately and it's hard you know oh here i'm going to mentor you when i've barely been a superhero and hey there's like what three years difference between us or whatever i mean it's it's just it's, it's implausible and unbelievable and it's just they set themselves up for failure in that respect it shouldn't i mean uh they should have done um it should have been uh, Dabney in season one and Wally now, you know, that's when they, they should have just reversed the introduction of, of those two. And, and I feel we would have had a, a, a legacy show that which this series keeps trying to find and failing. But too. you know, Ryan, the worst part about that entire thing, though, is the fact that the, even though they introduced Wally way too early, and I agree, they introduced him way too yeah. early. They've now basically all but said Wally is the superior Flash off screen. He's the one who's gone Zen into the Speed Force, and he's basically in Valhalla all the time. And he's, you know, he has the ability to do stuff that we can't even imagine because they hinted at it on Legends of Tomorrow. And then he basically is just sitting on top of a mountain somewhere in Tibet and just Speed Forcing his brain off, right? And it's like, he's the Flash, but yet we never get to see that. And that's even worse because all that growth, all that potential that then Barry could have learned from and then seen and all that dynamic is just gone because, you know, they, they don't know how to keep their talent around which nathan if you if you'll allow me for a moment i've been waiting for a while now for for carlos valdez to leave and it's been obvious that he's been wanting to leave and i love my boy i i love him so much but he's been phoning it in for like 25 episodes and i'm Mm -hmm. like there was literally a point in the season where i was like can you please leave already can you just go i think it was the end of the fifth season where they almost basically had him leave but they left themselves just a little bit of the thing that if they could convince him to stay because he's even saying like like goodbye to caitlin at the end of the season Mm -hmm. and it really seems like this is the farewell for cisco yeah but they didn't quite say he's leaving and then season six he was back and i was like oh really i thought for sure he was out but i think they must have renegotiated the last minute or whatever so yeah no i totally and and it's killing me because it's like you know you can tell that cisco is just like carlos valdez is not 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 in to this season season seven he's just not into it he his vibe is just please forgive the term his vibe is just not there you know and you can lowercase v lowercase v um and and you could tell that he wasn't feeling it in season six you know so it was just him going through the motions Mm -hmm. and the thing that we always loved especially in those early seasons was the fact that everybody was delivering a hundred percent and you can now tell that certain actors are just they're just kind of done they're like yeah i'm just going through the motions you know um 
which is why I'm just kind of like, I'm, I'm a little distraught over the fact that they have abused so many, and I don't mean like in a negative way, it's just it, it, they've gone through that, that resource so quickly that, you know, Ken, uh, Kenyon Lonsdale, you know, left as Wally, you know, Carlos Valdez is left as, as, as Cisco, um, Tom Cavanaugh, who actually delivered hundred percent all the way to the end because he's a consummate actor and just a badass, um, is now behind the camera. Thank God. Ooh, right. You know? He's still, yeah, he's still part of the family, but, but I mean, the thing is they kept going going like tom we need you to pull out another wells and he's like i, I got nothing left guys yeah <laughs> you know the only person who's been you given... 50 distinct wells yeah i mean the only person who's been given the, the time to really grow on the show legitimately has been danielle panabaker um as you know frost mm. slash you know snow um you know between caitlin and frost she's been allowed to do evil versions of herself good versions of herself all these different flavors in between and they've allowed her to direct a couple episodes mm -hmm. so like they've really allowed her like it's as far as I'm concerned, you know, as the years have gone by, this has really become like the Daniel Panabaker kind of like, look at how awesome this talent is that we have cultivated from the show, um, which I would never have pegged in season one. You know, and I'm like, that's the strength of this. You know, she's picked up all of these really great, you know, traits. Like, Danielle, you're so good. We're going to let you be two characters at once now. So yeah, like... on screen at the same time, <laughs> right. acting against yourself. Like, wow. Like... <laughs> Like, Daniel Panabaker has to single-handedly help them pass the Beschel test every single episode. <laughs> like, it, it still counts as two women talking to each other, not about a man, even if it's the same woman, guys. Right. Just trust us. It's going right. to be okay. But, you know, I will say Daniel Nicolette um, uh, as uh, Cecile has, I think, done a pretty laudable job of coming in and filling in a blank of leadership and, and, and strength. Um, you know, as Joe, and I'm not really sure what is going on with Joe. Like, I don't know if he's negotiating for more time off because he's getting older as you know he got injured a few mm -hmm. years back um but as long as joe's around as long as they don't kill jesse martin i'm cool and, and we had that fake out this year and, right. and i almost like plots i was like no 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 you don't kill joe with a rocket launcher like, i mean joe's <laughs> been on borrowed time for six years now because yeah. i thought for sure by the end of the first season he's gonna die. like you know you killed the mentor off at the you know at the end yeah. of the first season thing yeah, and, and when they chose not to kill joe i was like they didn't kill Joe. And so now it's just like, it's all bonus. It's all yeah. great now. <laughs> it, it really is, you know, but you can tell that they've been pulling back on him as far as like leaning on him for like that, that moral support. And here comes Cecile and they've really been bringing her in. And that's one thing I like is the fact that they do bring in a lot of the, the these new characters. I mean, one thing that you can see they're trying to do is phase into the new characters. So mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're getting all of these characters that are being brought in. And I like that. Um, but then they do weird things like um, they, they they kill off Ultraviolet after they give her a redemption arc. And I'm like, mm -hmm. Ultraviolet would have been a great addition to see her transition from I'm just murdering everybody to I'm trying to be a hero. OK, we're going to put a pin in that one because I do want to get back to that. But I, right, I right, wanna, I'm sorry. Yeah, I want to bring this back just a little bit. Right. And, and I want to talk about, because one of the things we talked about last year was the fact that, you know, we weren't feeling the Bloodwork storyline at all, but we thought oh, that God. the Mirror Monarch storyline actually had some interesting things going on. We were really looking forward to how they were going to resolve that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, obviously some things were changed because of the firing of Hartley Sawyer and because of COVID. Right. But overall, I think the way they resolved it was what they were planning. And I think that the core issue, and, and, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this, is that I had with that resolution was that it did rely entirely on the love that Barry and Iris have to recreate the Speed Force. Now... You know, this isn't Linda and Wally, okay? Because I, I wanna I wanna make this clear because right. 
Sean, you know, had me read like like a lot of Wally West comics when we were younger. <laughs> and and you know, the epic love. Now and, and, and I will also say this: comics also allow you to see the thoughts of characters, which is something that you don't get in television the same way. You know, people have to demonstrate through their actions. But and, but but you know, like there's this whole issue. It's like Flash number one hundred. That's all about Linda talking. You know, thinking about like her love for Wally and like how like you know that's like the most important thing. And you know, and and it's her love that actually like allows him to come back from being in like the perfection of being one with the speed force and all that. And you buy it at the end because of their relationship. And this, it's like, Oh, our love is the thing that'll restart the speed force. Well, and you know what though? They buy it. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? In that issue, there's that whole thing because it's written as an article and I wish they would do this with Iris. I wish they would set up an episode where she's writing an article about her experience with the Flash or whatever. And it's you could have an entire monologue just like you would like in a war film, you know? And she could literally be telling you her thoughts of what was going on at this moment. Mm. That would be a great mechanism. She's a writer. They write news. Like, let her do editorials about this. But here's here's the other thing I want to bring up about this before before I open it up. Yeah, yeah. After we've just had a season, this, this makes it particularly galling to me. After we just had a season where the whole thing of the season is Barry can't notice that his wife has been replaced by a doppelganger. And, but Wally, who barely knows his sister, shows up for five seconds in one episode and is like, Barry, something's weird about Iris. Right. But but somehow Barry and Iris have this epic love that transcends everything. So so to me, like that, like the whole mirror monarch thing just felt and then them just holding hands and being like, you know, there's a better way. And she's like, gosh darn it, you know, you're right. And then that's the end of the story. I'm like, what 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 did I just watch? So yeah, um, Ryan, we're gonna go to you first because I <laughs> feel like we've been talking over you. Uh, <laughs> How do you feel about the end of that of that storyline? Well, well, first off, you don't get on a Flash uh, podcast with Sean and expect that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's my boy, all right. Like, it's my it's my favorite comic book character, all right. And I love him warts and all, which is why I'm going to be very mad if this show keeps going downhill because it's season nine or ten. I'm still going to be watching. It. Like it's going to turn yeah. around. Like I'm going to be the uh, uh, eternal optimist on the show you're too involved at that point no but i mean it, 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 it felt like it, this season i mean through mirror monarch through the forces or whatever it just felt like i was watching an episode of once upon a time or something like that you know i mean it was literally just wishful thinking if we clapped hard enough maybe we could bring the speed force back to if life. it was once upon a time literally everyone would be related to barry well, I mean, they kind of are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> not literally everyone, though. I mean, well, give it, just, just his wife, which give is weird time. enough. Give it time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, you know, um, I, it's just, just yeah, I, the, the resolution of that and, and the whole creation, recreation of the Speed Force and everything, it was just, I will, I will credit, I will give uh, an excuse to pass for COVID to a certain extent, but it just honestly feels like this whole season, I feel like the writers kind of just checked out and gave it to their kids and they're like hey you know here's some crayons write a season and they came up with the power of love you know i mean they needed some 80s music montage or something to just to make it work it just you got I, the I, touch I, yeah the speed touch oh not the speed touch no 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 <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, no. I mean, but but it's sad when like yeah, uh, Transformers is more emotionally powerful to me than the Flash. You know, um, yeah. yeah I, I don't know, but uh, 
I mean, you mentioned, and this is kind of a little bit off topic, but I, I, I just between the forces, between the power of love, and between the fact that this show has a problem because they did it later on this season with Cecile uh, of just like replacing women for weeks on time and no one notices. Uh, it, it's just I, I, I'm kind of done with it, it with yeah. with with how they treat women uh, or characters if, if, if it wasn't for frost which is a whole nother issue we're gonna have to talk about right um, yeah. and cecile I, I, I'm, iris is just like i'm over i've been defending iris as like hey it's just bad writing it's not the actress you know but this season with her love will save us and everything it's like no maybe it is the actress maybe i don't know maybe it's not the material maybe it's the the chemistry or the lack of chemistry between them but like Inside and Danielle Pennebaker is what leaving the season, I think, right? This is her last season. So, if I haven't any, heard that, yeah, I, I've, I've, I swear I read that she was leaving. She right, was, and they, they got her to sign for another got, season. Ah, yeah. very good. Okay. Then, but yeah, well, her and Cecile are the, are the only reason that, uh, I believe that women have any sort of capacity in this All right. show. But... I, I know I, I said we're just talking about this a little bit uh, at, the end, at the beginning of the season, but um, I we will can. say also the idea of Iris being replaced by Barry as the mother because he's the one having dreams about being pregnant. Yeah, my my wife literally threw what she was working on because she was like, yeah, because the husband is the one that knows first. <laughs> Nathan, I buy into that because that allows me to not have to imagine him procreating with Iris, which I simply do not believe is scientifically possible, even in a world where speedsters exist. Okay. Well, they've, they've, we've seen, if you count the forces, we've seen what, six kids? Of Barry and Iris's, and yeah. yet she's in, but no pregnancy. So just I'm from holding hands, it. though. Yeah. Not right. <laughs> Technically, <laughs> seven because we have two Noras. So we have Nora. Right. We have Nora 1.0 and Nora 2.0. So yeah. Right. <laughs> and I am glad that they did establish that because I was like, this doesn't work if they're going to say like she has all the memories of the pre. Because I'm like, it's a completely different timeline. But no, they right, did right, establish yeah, this. Yeah. Like for I her, did like that they did that. Yeah. I did like that Nora knows of the original version of herself mm. and like that. That's a lost version, and she's like, it, it feels like I have a sister. And I'm like, okay, at least they acknowledged it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To um, the point of how the Flash writes women, I will say. First of all, we have to have this understanding that we can critique female characters without it being we hate all women. So when a reviewer, including male reviewers, and I'm very hard on men and generally male characters as well, when a reviewer is saying like there is a problem with the way the show writes women, it's not we we have to be open minded enough to understand it's not because this reviewer hates all female characters. It's because we can understand that some of these characters are not written the way real women behave or the way superwoman behave <laughs> or you know they're not being afforded an opportunity to become a complex character one of the things you just mentioned in regards to iris which is a a um, suggestion i've heard a lot and i think is probably the best way to have turned her character around is to allow her to really be the voice for barry's story to tell his story to be the narrator to write to be a journalist they do not do that because they double down on her being defined only as the love interest mm-hmm. they take calculated moves throughout seasons one through three and continue to do so to make sure that she is not defined with any other key trait. They do not allow her to finish the dissertation that they mention. They do not allow her to persist in a workplace separate from Barry. They do these things. They, they continually undercut her journalism storylines. 
They mm-hmm. do that to make sure when we think of Iris, the only thing we can think of is Barry's wife or sister wife or whatever. Mother of his children. Right. The mo- now the mother of his children. And that, <laughs> that belies to me that they're not understanding, of course, what we know, which is women can be complex. Women can mm-hmm. be multiple things. But it also means they're doubling down on a problem. It would not be a problem if she was the love interest, if she was the mother of his child. But that is the weak point for her character. So they are doubling down on a weakness. The love story between Barry and Iris, this Barry and this Iris is a weakness. Mm -hmm. They are doubling down on it and trying to convince us that it's not a weakness and it just continually brings it to light. There are many ways they could have gotten around this, including having their love be something other than romantic love. You already had them set up as brother and sister. They could have completely devoided this entire marriage or whatever. They could have taken it. Anyone remember Patty? Remember Patty that he actually Patty's had yes. chemistry with? Right. <laughs> well, they and, didn't want to have another. They didn't want to have another arrow situation where Felicity became the love interest when she was not meant to be the love interest. You right. know, it was supposed to be Black Canary, and and I get that. But you go where the chemistry is, and right. that's why Arrow had a much more interesting and compelling dynamic relationship between Felicity and Oliver because, mm-hmm. like, they worked together. And they should have gone Patty all the way. And you know me, I love Iris. I think Iris is a, a, a great character in concept. It's just in this particular well, execution. Well, you know what I've wanted them to do because they want Barry to be older than he actually is. Mm-hmm. I want them to go with the comic storyline. I want I want Iris to die, be resurrected in the future and come back as an Iris who knows too much, but can't right. tell anyone. Like And like suddenly her character becomes important because she knows all sorts of things about what's going to happen and yeah. can only kind of give hints you know, because, you know, like she, she can't give away too much about the future and stuff. And then that suddenly- would require them writing an Iris who knows things and can do things. And they <laughs> well, I mean, abjectly refuse to do that. It's true. And Cammy brings up a good point. And this is something that has slowly been made so obvious over the last, I would say the last four seasons, especially the first three seasons. I think they were trying pretty hard to try to develop each character and to mm-hmm. varying degrees of success as we've seen. But after season three, um, Savitar ruined everything, you know, Savitar, seriously, Savitar is like, the, like that was the speed bump in the road for flash and they're still tripping over themselves from it. Um, and, and they've been trying to figure it out ever since then. And, and the problem is, is that everybody is written in service of Barry. Mm-hmm. everybody not, i mean there's a reason why you know carlos valdez wanted to leave he stopped wanted to be the guy who made up the funny nicknames and be the guy who came up with the tech you know daniel pettenbaker was like you got to give me something more to work with so like we're going to let you direct we're going to make you two characters you're going to have superpowers i mean they basically gave her the whole freaking book and as a result she's one of the stronger characters Tom right. and, and actually the thing with um carlos valdez is if you remember they did try at one point it might have been season four to make iris the one calling the shots at star labs they yeah. called her the leader of team arrow and they didn't commit but, to it. but then but then suddenly uh cisco becomes that guy right and and i think what happened is carlos valdez said i want more or i'm gonna walk and they were like well iris is already the love interest so we can have her step back and you can right. now be the guy calling the shots at star labs and it was like yeah i mean uh, yeah that they can't even make consistent decisions either it's with true how and people. everybody is written in service of barry and that's a problem because the and as you know the flash is not all about barry the flash is not all about one character it's always been about the family mm-hmm. and a, a thing that, heroes serve and villains are served right so if he is consistently being served he's a villain right it, at least the way they're writing it yeah it, he's right. definitely being written more as a villain I, I absolutely can agree with that and this is my boy 
So you know I'm mad when I'm having to sit here and smack on my boy, okay? So Yeah. Their but, idea of giving Iris a strong role was to give her a sword to stab the thinker's wife. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we gave Iris a strong role because she stabbed somebody. That's the different kind they, of strength, people. Right. But, you know, then then they gave Chunk the, the sword, too, in this season to stab the thinker's chair because let's not come up with new ideas. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I mean, and, and, and this is a fundamental problem, which is that I swear. And, and OK, everybody just give me like four minutes. I've been okay. thinking about this for two weeks and I've, I've I've been simmering on it for a while. The people who are writing the show have only read about five years worth of Flash comics. They've read a couple of key storylines, most of them Wally storylines, which is why none of this works because these are Wally stories that are being applied to Barry. Two, all the stuff they've reading has, has, reading has been basically post-rebirth, meaning when they brought Barry Allen back from 2008, I think 2006. Um, and a lot of these problems stem from the fact that nobody knows how to write Barry Allen in the modern age, period, in stop, that's the problem. And we're seeing those problems continually reinforce themselves into this because as Nathan and I have talked about on my podcast back in the day and on this podcast, the fact is this Barry Allen has much more DNA with Wally West than he does with the original Barry Allen. And one of the major problems is they keep trying to come up with what's the new speedster that's going to be the problem, right? They can't stay away from speedsters. Back in the day when this show first started, one of the things I loved about it was every week we got a new rogue because Flash has the largest rogues gallery out of any of the freaking heroes on any DC level. They have they were the ones who coined the term the rogues way back in the day in the 60s. Like they were the rogues. I mean, this is something that's been around in the core. People think it's Batman. It's not. It's the Flash. What happened to having 12, 15 episodes that were just standalone episodes where Take the next generation or, or Deep Space Nine approach to something. This is going to be a Cisco episode, and we're going to introduce this weird villain. This is going to be a Frost episode. We're going to introduce this weird villain. The Flash doesn't have to have a macro villain every season. Or if they do, have that macro villain slowly reveal himself like they did in season one over time. What mm. happened to that concept? Instead of, okay, the villain showed up in episode two of season blah, blah, blah. And he's going to be a threat for 15 episodes. And we're going to be emotionally PTSD by the end of it. And we're just going yeah. to be, we're, we're going to be so traumatized by it because they're going to keep stretching it out like Laffy Taffy. By the time they resolve it, we're going to go, that's it? Really? You know, and that's the yeah. problem that fundamentally the Flash has as far as trying to make all of these characters work because they're trying to make them work under the guise of one macro villain every season. And they just keep stretching it out like Taffy. And this season, they tried something different. But COVID got in the way. Mm -hmm. So I, I at least give them credit for splitting up the Mirror Master season, you know, and obviously that was because of COVID, but we got a cliffhanger. That was a first. That was nice. Yeah. You know, but then we got the freaking forces. And if you've read the comic books, the forces are a new concept and they're dumb and I hate them and they're stupid. All right. So, so I want to now <laughs> mention something that's been bothering me. Um, you know, so we've talked about the depiction of the speed force in this series. I think Ugh. that, you know, it was it was okay-ish in the beginning when it was this weird sort of unknowable thing. It mm -hmm. was sort of more like how the prophets are de depicted in Deep Space Nine. Right. Um, but but yes, yeah, it's sort of this idea, this non-linear force that obviously cares about Barry in some way, but right. and is trying to like give him messages. But you know, that was okay. That was fine. Um, then it became like an evil hellish prison. Then it became like like so they keep like recycling these ideas. But here's the problem. Here here's the problem with what they did with the forces, to my mind. When you make Barry best buds slash the parent of the speed force, why can't he always be like, 
hey, Speed Force buddy, come over here. I need some juice. You know, and so now you create this issue where it's like you've not only created the speed force where it's just like a normal person, except it's it's an embodiment of a force, but its personality is just like a normal lady. And so it gets mad. It can be happy and it can be your friend. And it's like, then why doesn't that person come and help you out all the time? You know, like, and so then it becomes like this issue of now we've got to write around because even with like the Godspeed thing, it's like Speed Force shows up and it's like, hey, suddenly everybody's a speedster. You could be a speedster. You could be a speedster. Everybody's a speedster and you're supercharged. And it's like. Yeah, like this is going to be a problem with any kind of thing that you expect to go for more episodes because it's always going to become a question of why aren't you doing that? So well, yeah, that's kind of my issue with what well, they did this it circles, time. It circles back around to what I was saying about the fact that every part of the Flash modern TV show is based on basically post-rebirth versions of the Flash. Yeah, And in the post-rebirth version of the Flash, they did two cardinal sense. One, they brought Barry Allen back from the dead. I'm never going to forgive DC for that. Like, killed that man again already. Like, dead him. Dead him, dead him hard. <laughs> the second thing they did is they said the speed force is generated by Barry. Barry is the progenitor of the speed force. Which ruins the entire concept of it being a cosmic force that exists outside of all things. And ever since they've established that, they've ruined the idea that the speed force is Valhalla. It is heaven for speedsters. When it was first created by Mark Wade way back in the middle of the 90s, the idea was that the speed force was the reward. It was the thing that everybody wanted. If they could tap into the speed force, eventually, if you became fast enough, you would become one with all of creation. And it was a one trip ticket. That was the goal. That was where they ultimately were all going to go. That's what happened to Barry Allen at the Crisis of Infinite Earths. He literally ran so fast, he was able to save the cosmos, but he had to transcend into heaven. Like these are core concepts that are massive and heroic and, and, and are mythic. And then they just brought it all the way down and said, no, the speed force is generated because Barry run fast. Literally, that's the origin story of the Speed Force in the modern sense. Right, like which, which you know, I mean, the character I've been campaigning for since the beginning is Max Mercury, right? And like that makes his whole storyline like pointless if it isn't like this cosmic force that he's trying to enter like all the time, and yeah. he's the one that again, instead of Barry just deciding like you know what I can I can throw lightning now, um, to actually have like someone who actually teaches Barry like look these are all the things I've learned about the Speed Force over my many years of trying to run fast enough to be able to become you know one with this thing you know this is the Nirvana that I right. want to achieve and that would have been cool to have that character. And again, because Barry needs a mentor, like Barry shouldn't be mentoring anyone. He still needs mentors. <laughs> I don't know. At this point, I think yeah, point. I, I think the show needs basically a lobotomy. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way where we just kill the show. I mean, they need to sit down and say, you know what? This isn't working. And we need yeah. to just go back to basics and get rid of any character that's not working. And if that means that Iris has to die and go to the future and then come back as a, a wizened, you know, elder that, that has all this like super cool power because she knows what happens, but she can't quite say it. Great. You know what? Uh, Iris, uh, uh, Nora and um, uh, uh, freaking Bart need a dang mom anyway, send her to the future, you know, like whatever, please like just mix it the hell up. Yeah. Require them to like grow and change and move on. And I think there's sort of a defining theme here in the criticisms that this show is refusing to do that they mm. are doubling down and they're trying to tell us as viewers that we are incorrect if we don't like something they're trying to convince us otherwise we are incorrect if we think 
Barry is not heroic. They will double down on him being the the most heroic one there and being able to just sort of tinkerbell his way out of situations through sheer force of will. They double down on the really serious romance problem that they have on this show. And I think, you know, maybe in the beginning, that's sort of seen as like, it's often seen as sort of a C plot. But when you talk about episodes of the week, structurally having sort of a villain of the week, that on TV works when romance is strong, because what ties you in is this, you're you're seeing this progression of, Mm -hmm. you know, some sort of slow burn or will they, won't they, or will the hero save the girl or what, you know, whatever tropey thing of the week is that we love if we actually loved it. It has to be relationships. I don't think it has to be romance, but you have to yeah. care about the interactions of the characters because that's right. the hook that that brings you forward. But yeah, right. romance is one of the ways you do that. And seriously. it's the paragon of love. They have they've acknowledged <laughs> that for this. Oh, oh, you're going to make oh, Sean mad. <laughs> I know. They have acknowledged that for this hero, love is apparently very important. Now, yeah. I, I'm with you, Nathan, that it does not need to be romantic love. And I think that they've taken a relationship, a romantic direction that shouldn't have gone that way but I, I think within sort of this sort the the kind of the cheesy comic-y vibe that they want to have within the show having a really good romance really perks it up and we saw that with Ralph and Sue we mm-hmm. see that anytime they get close to having any kind of chemistry between any characters it's like oh wow there's finally some sort of you know cutesy little spark that is reminding us that comic books are soap operas and when done well we do love seeing our heroes rescue somebody in distress they love or whatever you know and when done not well it's really cheesy and kind of cringy to watch so they have to get this right and they have to take drastic measures to make that happen and if that means swapping out the flash swapping out his love interest sending somebody here or there you know i think I think with a show called The Flash, and this was already mentioned earlier in our conversation, we had the opportunity to be swapping out who was The Flash much more quickly, which would have given us a more organic relationship with this um, evolution of our understanding of the speed force, because we would be seeing versions of The Flash either you know, retired to the speed force or try to, or, you know, there's some sort of death in relation to the speed force. And that could have become the ongoing mystery without there being one big villain that is our ongoing villain with total suspension of disbelief required. I just wanted to put in one one note really quick is that, you know, one of the things is that this whole Paragon thing is kind of messed up because in the <gasps> comics, the Flash is supposed to be the embodiment of hope, which they made Kara in the Arrowverse is the Paragon of hope, but it should actually have been Barry as hope. You know, and, and for whatever reason, it should they have been Wally's what it should have been. And, and, right, well, and that's and that's one of the things that's, that's sort of annoyed Sean. Nathan, the <laughs> S stands for hope. Don't you know that? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Okay, whom's among these heroes could have been the paragon of love, though? Like, I give them flack for it being Barry because that is just stupid. Oliver. But like, <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking Oliver. Yeah, Oliver. Yeah, yeah. I'd give it to Oliver because of the fact that seriously, again, they, with Oliver, they clearly saw well. Felicity and Oliver had that relationship, and they right. built it up. And I mean, come on. They, yeah, even they were too busy hog. making him the Spectre, though. Yeah, that, that's true. They were too busy making him the Spectre, which on a, a macro scale, wonderful choice. I yeah. still think that that was a great choice because yeah. you get to kill the character and still keep the character floating around and nobody's going to say boo about it. 
Right. But he obviously was supposed to be the paragon of love. I mean, that's <laughs> out of all the characters they introduced. <laughs> maybe Dig. Dig, you know, yeah. has a pretty stable relationship. <laughs> yeah. Um, which goes back to the fact that Barry is still Oliver's sidekick because when they were in problems and times and they're like, what are we going to do? Oh, well, let's get one of Team Arrow to come over and help us out by bringing us super cool tech that Cisco, who's no longer on the show, made for everybody goes back to Team Arrow eventually. Right. Like, like right. you know, we're all in service of Team Arrow eventually. Hey, but, but by the way, though, if David Ramsey is just like, hey guys, I'm free for a week i want to be on a show and they, they i am happy and they can it was just so be great. like we have room on the flash you come right down here david he's gonna show episode. up on superman and lois man he's gonna be like hey what's up right. <laughs> he's just gonna be playing with the kids babysitting uncle dave he's gonna show up on titans you know he's gonna play with crypto you know? <laughs> It's like All the right, new but... principal on Stargirl. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, make that happen. I want to see that. that All right. Amazing. All right. But yeah, we we. All right. But I do want to rein things back just a little because there's some things that I really really want to hit. And so you know, um, we're talking. We talked about the forces a little bit. I'm I'm curious, like Cammy, as someone who who hasn't read any, and I haven't read any comics about the forces. I just knew that the idea, like to me, didn't work. But Cammy, as someone who hasn't read any comics, like how did that whole storyline, like? like feel for you and what do you think about the characters they kind of introduced for that highly incestuous which is on theme for the show um you know what they lack in quality they make up for in consistency in in that regard um they they saw one episode of game of thrones and were like guys i figured out how we're gonna get an emmy just <laughs> just a lot a lot of incest implied at every turn barry gives birth to his mom it's gonna be great just just <laughs> <laughs> listen there's like somebody at the writer's room who's like has like an iron throne mug and is like guys i've got it just just stay with me and they're like this guy again okay i guess if that'll get was, the script out it was a drunk uh, that, zoom meeting yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i i i am i am often engaged by storylines that are targeted to somebody who would be a, a, a fan of the comics and have a lot more deep knowledge of the comics because I can appreciate when there is this I guess I'll say this air of like cheesy excited nerdiness around something that I know we're supposed to be excited for and even if I don't have the depth of knowledge you know I did a quick skim and I read a few, you know I read a few pages of this or whatever just to catch up and learn who all of our heroes and villains are but I'm not the target of this I can still appreciate that sort of Christmas morning excitement when we get to do something super nerdy and cool and see it for the first time I didn't get that level of excitement here. It felt more like an attempt at shock value. It felt more like, okay, we've got structural problems that we need to hand wave away from. We need to all of a sudden double down on convincing you that Barry is super a father and we need you to very much associate father with Barry and we recognize that you don't want to do that for some reason so we're going to really throw it in your face until you you know like we're going to Pavlov's condition this into you at this point so it felt like they were taking something that could have been Christmas morning and instead was just throwing the biggest hammer they could find at one of the problems they've identified it wasn't you know, that, that sounds like a heavy critique. It, there were elements of that that still produced joy as a viewer. I did enjoy seeing the Noras. I enjoyed seeing the introduction of several new characters. 
the, the new characters are very rarely the problem for this show. It's the follow through and the progression that becomes a problem because TV as a medium uniquely has this opportunity to, pre and, and comics actually have this as well. So that's one of the reasons comics I feel can, tra can translate quite well to TV. It has the opportunity to have a really good symbiotic relationship with the reader where you've released something that you're really excited about. The reader reads it. They're really excited about certain things you feed off their excitement and you as a creator and a viewer it's not that the viewers are directing the story or the viewers tell you what to do and it's not that the writers have full control over the viewer's response but there can be a very healthy relationship where you're getting feedback that ties back to sort of this original idea of live storytelling where you might be telling a story and you can see excitement come up in your viewer's eyes and you respond to that and your tone changes to that and we see a return to that here and we don't we see a return to that here in opportunity, but we don't see that capitalized upon. Instead, we see it almost, it's like a hypersensitivity to criticism. Anytime that viewers are not responding to something, it's like they try again and again and again to make us absorb it, absorb it using bigger and bigger means. And that is what this storyline felt like. Oh, okay. And Ryan, what do you think about the forces? Oh, I, I have That's one strong. sentence. Sorry. I miss Grodd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that gets into like a deeper criticism a friend of mine was mentioning about. Remember when Legends of Tomorrow was about DC characters? All right, but moving right along, Ryan. <laughs> so, what do you feel about the forces? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, to to kind of jump on the, the Kimmy's point um, about like kind of the excitement you get when it's, it's like. When you go to uh, a Marvel movie or, or DC movie or a comic movie or even a movie based on a book with someone who's read it and and you see how excited they are to see that and it's infectious and you get out you get that. Um, what these serialized comics in this medium should be doing is making me want to go read the comics. It, you know, I, I see uh, um, uh, Savitar, I, even as bad as they executed that, I'm kind of curious to go read how it was done right. Uh, you know, this though, this, what they did here with the forces makes me kind of never want to pick up a flash comic book, uh, at least, you know, post, uh, you know, 52, new 52 uh, at all. I mean, this is, if this is supposed to make me interested in, in the other stories and getting into, getting into it, it failed. It, it, it did the exact opposite. Uh, it, you know, I mean, I, I had this conversation. And this is on top of blood work too. Let me say. Oh God. <laughs> Why are we? That's twice now. This podcast you've mentioned blood work. There better not be a third time. Well, the reason why is <laughs> or he'll appear. No, no, no. But the, the whole reason why is because blood work is only a three or four year old concept. Right. As is the forces. They're they're picking stuff that people don't gravitate towards. These are yeah. failed storylines that the TV show is like. Hey, it didn't work here. Maybe we can make it work. <laughs> well, I think no. what's happening is they're reading the issues that have come out while they've been making the show, right. and they're like, oh, let's just pull that without caring if it resonated with fans mm -hmm. in the comics. Maybe didn't work in the comics, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try here. I mean, it basically I, I had I had a conversation when we were when my wife and I were watching it with the forces, and it's like, can you imagine like being one of these forces and like you're going home to like your family dinner, but like then it's like, hey, mom, dad, this is my new mom and dad. Like I, you know, I've <laughs> I've only, they only just created me like last week, but I feel this deep connection to them, and now I'm gonna go off into the cosmos and never really see them again, except for like one episode per season when you know they suddenly remember I exist. And they need something like to time travel without affecting time or something like that it's just no i mean, yes i would 
a grad storyline would have been so much better. I, I, I echo that. And, the, and they, but clearly, I guess they wasted their special effects budget on these contraptions for reasons I don't know. It's just, it just felt like, like I said, it felt like they gave the writing room to their kids with crayons. And this is what they came up with. I just, I, I just, yeah, yeah. It's like they were surprised. They got picked up for a seventh season. You know, I mean, here's the thing about the Flash's position, though, in the Arrowverse. If you get rid of the Flash, what is the show holding everything together at this point? Because the Flash is the only character. Superman and Lois. <laughs> Absolutely Superman and Lois. Well, yes, yeah. But we haven't had them with no. other Arrowverse characters, really. Like, kind of in Crisis, they met a few. But, like, it, it, you know. <laughs> They're but, raising but, their kids, man. Like, they got, they, they got right, teenagers. They got problems, is, okay? We need like, to have saying, It's the flagship. Right, but they've right. already teased a Justice League. Until they give us the actual just, then they can hand off Flash and be like, now everybody's met everybody. There's this thing in place as our excuse for everybody to meet everybody. And we kind of like fade Barry into the background. But I feel like next season, that's probably what the Flash is going to do is become more of a handoff to the other shows. But I think we still do need that, you know, as a thing that happens. And when we're looking at it, I mean, one of the, I, I think probably one of the biggest mistakes is the show that was learning how it screwed up and really turned it around two of them actually dc's legends of tomorrow really figured out oh we screwed up in a big bad way we got to fix this fast and every season they fix the stuff that wasn't working the season before they're like we got to fix this um and they've turned into a pretty consistent show but supergirl supergirl in my opinion is the flagship of we completely pooched this and how can we fix it and every season they come back stronger and stronger and they're like yeah but nobody wants to watch supergirl anymore so let's cancel her and i'm uh, like i still was... think that's melissa's decision i think she wants <sighs> to go and, and I... raise her kid i don't think that's them doing that to her i know but it's it just killing me because i'm like that was the handoff like flash should have handed off to supergirl it was clear that that was where we were going and it didn't happen and so now we're stuck and and, and i hate that i'm being this hard on my guy because again i mm -hmm. love the flash but you know i call it like i see it and and there, there is very very earned criticism here um and and that's that's the unfortunate part about all this is the fact that you know there there's no cohesiveness like, like as the shows are starting to bleed off the first generation of shows the, these next generation shows haven't had a chance to really solidify so the flash is in this weird place where they're trying to hand off to a whole new generation of supporting cast members and whatnot to grant gustin um and basically candace Patton. and it's just like you can hand them off too we don't mind like yeah no, i mean like like it's weird because Legends of Tomorrow has been so divorced from the rest of the Arrowverse these last couple of years, but we still have Sarah as sort of like, she's now the elder statesman of all of these characters. She's been mm -hmm. the one that's been around the longest aside from Dig, but as a main character, she's been around the longest. And they kind of hinted that she's the one taking Oliver's place in that sort of Justice League that they form mm -hmm. as the leader of the overall group. And so even though it's hard to do crossovers during COVID, I almost feel like at the very least next year, they need to do something that has Sarah and Barry in it sort of establishing like a framework for like the series, like, right. and, 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 and the superheroes in this combined universe going forward. Otherwise crisis was pointless. There was no point putting Supergirl and Superman on the same earth with everybody else. If you're yep. not going to be having interaction, you know, it's like, you could have just left them on a separate earth, you know? So yeah, I feel like, yeah. uh, you know, they, they need to do something with that. And, but and they, 
they need to finally let Diggle just pull the damn Green Lantern ring out of the damn box <laughs> and show it on screen and be like, it's coming. Like, All right. Dude, so that was going to be one of the things that I, that I well, let's just talk about it now, because as everyone knows, I am probably one of the biggest Diggle fans. Like ever since the beginning of Arrow, I was like, Oliver's cool, but I like this guy. Like <laughs> yeah. this guy's really awesome. And, you know, I've been really happy at how, you know, much David Ramsey's career, you know, has, has gone with the Arrow stuff and how he's kind of been like, yeah, Steven may want to move on, but I kind of want to stay. And it's like, right. great, that's that's really awesome. And they were like, yeah, Diggle's going to be on like all the shows this year. And I was like, great, that's going to be really cool. They're going to have some kind of really cool story that crosses over between them all. So even though you don't have all these casts coming together, you got one thread. But it's like the Diggle appearances so far have been so disjointed. They don't seem to be telling a story. It's just like, hey, this is our Diggle guest star appearance this year, This right. is, you know, for each show. And that's fine, but it isn't kind of what they tagged it as. And so unless his appearance in Supergirl is super major and he whips out the Green Lantern ring, and like, hey, Carl, look at this. You know, like it feels like a really wasted opportunity because I thought that's what was going to happen was we were going to have him like going to like, um, you know, to Superman and being like, hey, like Clark, do you know what this thing is? And he's like, well, you know, since I was raised on Earth, I really don't know that much about space stuff. Maybe you should talk to Kara. You know, something like that. Or he goes to Star right. Labs and they're like, oh, we're going to analyze this thing for you and see if we can figure out what it is. But Brainiac. Like, right. And none of these <laughs> things have like dealt with the box that he finds at the end of Arrow at all. <laughs> While I strongly agree with you, I will say, I think this and the recasting of Ralph Dibney have the exact same explanation. They're scared to start a new project in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. So they don't want to kick this off now, suddenly have to recast, slow production, change direction, redefine, retitle, etc. Yeah. And I think a lot of things right now that are like slow to get started or will they, won't they? I think like the, the Green Arrow and the Canaries thing, even though they fully put the kibosh on that, yeah. they all kind of fell in the same boat of like, now is not the time to spin off a new project, or at least that's their rationale, whether or not that's true. Well, I would I mean, buy that if Superman and Lois wasn't completely started under COVID, you know, like that's sort of thing. They already did a spinoff like under mm -hmm. COVID conditions. So I don't, I don't know. But at the same time, that show had already been well into pre-production by about 18 months by the time COVID had hit. So this wasn't right. something that they were. And I mean, that you can make the same argument for Green Arrow and the Canaries, but that show, like the, that pilot that they ran, like it just didn't have the steam that they wanted. So like, yeah, maybe we'll retool it and retooling fell into COVID and pfft, Whereas Superman and Lois, people are responding to. I mean, let's be fair. Yeah. We have been wanting to see our trinity of heroes in the, the small screen format for so long. And we kind of have it now. We're just missing our Diana, basically. Because um, if you watch Titans, we have Bruce Wayne, but we don't have Batman. It's, it's weird. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, when I look at it, I, I really see that, you know, I, I think Cammy hit it on the head because they're afraid that, God forbid, they start something and they get steam and then they have a pushing daisies effect. And if yeah. anybody remembers the writer strike from the mid 2000s, Pushing Daisies was the number one show on TV. It was Brian Fuller's first, like, just jump in and say, hey, I'm here. And everybody was all about this show. And then they basically had to go and, and spend almost 14 months away from that show because of the writer striking and productions back up. And by the time they came yeah. back, nobody cared. And that show died a most ignominious death. Well, and I and hate I it. 
I think about Heroes season two and the mess that yeah. was because of the writer's strike. And after that first season had been excellent, like that was a fantastic show. And then it's like they never recovered from that season two. It's that true. Was, but the thing yeah. is, is that the difference is that Heroes was given multiple restarts and multiple years to go along. Pushing Daisies had an extra, I think, 15 episodes. And the writing was even better when they came back. But the audience wasn't there anymore. Mm. And I think that's what they're afraid of. I think they're afraid that they'll still be at their A game with, you know, a new Green Arrow show or a new Green Lantern show. A lot of green in the spin yeah. uh, But there's, they're not going to have the audience because maybe they'll, they're, they're afraid they're going to myth the, uh, uh, the launch. And, and I get that fear. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I look at what they're doing with like Diggle, I mean, it, it's, there's only so many times they could basically say, hey, this green light on his face, he's going to become Green Lantern. He's going to be the closest we're ever going to get to Jon Stewart, it feels like. Right. Which is my version of Green Lantern. I love Jon Stewart. And it's like nobody wants to make him into like the hero. We always want to go back to Hal or maybe Kyle or something or even Guy. And, yeah. and Diggle being so popular as an arrow just com- – I still love the fact that Diggle is literally his whole start was an homage to one of the original writers and artists on the comic book. And they said, let's just make one of the subsidiary characters an homage to him. And that character has become so popular. He may become a Green Lantern. I'm like, yeah, I just really hope I still want the thing where like they're like Diggles. They're this ring. When you put it on anything you imagine, like you can create and he puts it on and he creates a gun. (laughs) That would be Baz, though. Have you ever read The Green Lantern with Baz in it, by any chance? No. Okay, so this actually did happen in Green Lantern. There was a guy, he was the first uh, Arabic um, uh, Mm. Green Lantern that they had introduced. And so he he basically um, was kind of like a, 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 um, what's the character's name? Vin Diesel's character in The Fast and the Furious, the the car drivers. I forget the Dom. He's like a Dom character. So he's always driving around in cars and whatnot. And uh, he, he does a little bit of like, you know, kind of like soft crime. And uh, he's framed for something uh, uh, that he doesn't do. And so he gets the ring and he says, what can you do? And the ring says, I can make anything you can imagine. The first thing he imagines is a gun. And he was like, cool. And so then he's taught how to use the the, the, the ring. He he continues to force a gun on his uh, 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 holster at all times. They're like, why do you have a gun? You have the Green Lantern ring. He's like, you always have backup. Like, literally, he always has a gun with him. He's like, you always have backup. I just think it's funny, though, because Diggle's always just been, like, the guy with the gun. It's like, what do you do with the green light? This ultimate power of the universe? I've got two guns now. Yes, like, he has his Green Lantern gun, and then he has an actual 9 mil on his uniform, just in case the Green Lantern ring runs out of juice, which happens quite frequently in the comics. All right, but, yeah, Ryan, so what do you think about, like, these Diggle appearances and, and how they've been done? You know, we, we've touched on it, we've hinted on it, and this this is what Arrow did right versus what Flash is perpetually doing wrong. I mean, Flash is running in circles, eh? uh, <laughs> trying to force the comic book storylines onto the show. And Arrow just said, screw it, we've got good chemistry, we've got these great actors, this is deviating, but we're going to run with it. And that's how you got Felicity, that's how you got Diggle. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Uh, but, it, and that, but I, I, I think you all, however, are giving the CW, or at least the powers that be uh, within the Belantiverse, too much credit that they, they would literally think, oh, we better hold off on this because of COVID. No, that's never stopped them before. They've jumped in without, with half-cocked on many, many an idea before. Um, I would put Diggle's appearance across the universe as the same as I would um, 
I don't remember which crossover it might have been. It might have actually been a Crisis. But whichever one it was, it's going to happen in every episode. And then Supergirl, it happened in the last scene, the last five seconds. Oh, oh that yeah. was uh, the Dominator invasion where it was. Yeah, I think yeah. it was Dominators. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But that's exactly what I saw. So this, we're going to have this massive crossover across every episode. And here you go. It's at the very end. We're going to have Diggle. He's going to show up. He's going to have a headache. And then he's going to show up in the next episode with Argus technology that Cisco could have built and did build actually in yeah. this one case um it's it's just i do feel like they are building up to something obviously um but short of having yeah the diggle show which we would all obviously watch it's 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 I, it's just not happening i i don't know what they're i, I think they just overbuilt it it should have just been hey here's a surprise here's diggle it should not have been advertised it should have just been here he is and yeah. you know you're so lucky to get him right and, and they're and they're keeping him because he's also directing across the various shows also so i mean he is like part of like the berlanti family in the same way tom cavanaugh is so he is like part of all that but yeah i mean why was it so hyped up instead of yeah. just saying we're gonna have these diggle like guest appearances in yeah. all the different shows because we mm-hmm. think david ramsey's a great actor and we want to keep the character in you know and yeah, it should yeah, be a yeah. tease, not an right. event. Right. Um, right. The, the Diggle events. Well, what is yeah. it? I don't know. <laughs> Diggle's going to show up and everybody's going to be really happy to see Dig. And it's like, all right, yeah. cool. Yeah. It, I it, it, if he'd been the difference between winning or losing, maybe then it would have been something. But he wasn't. Not really in any of these uh, cameos. He was right. just right. there. I, I think his most impactful thing so far was giving Luke the uh the the you know the sort of the advice uh, yeah advice <laughs> and and sort of put him on the path to becoming batwing i think that so far has been like the the most impactful thing right. that he did so um can i re- can i rewind the conversation for a second because I, I i i made my comment about the still forces and whatnot and yeah. I, I actually never uh because i just said broad i miss broad because really i really <laughs> do miss broad um but i i want to talk about something for a second re- involving those characters which is i liked fierza I thought um, whatever the heck his name was, Purple Suit. Uh, that's what I kept calling him because I kept forgetting his name. Psych? Wasn't Thank that you. his name? Like, probably. Horrible name. Horrible name. <laughs> um, and then the Still Force. I-, I did love the fact that the Still Force gave us this really cool flashback to the 90s. That was probably like the best Carlos Valdez episode of the season for me. Um, was- there, there are some really good highlights from this season that were enjoyable. Uh, and, and one of them was in the Still Force uh, episode where they introduce him, where they keep trying to go back and Dion keeps resetting time and whatnot because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to hurt himself. Um, and I love the fact that we're getting uh, uh, Chunk finally is, is growing into a character, even though I keep waiting for them to find a way to make him fat. Um, but they're never going to do it. No, and for not. those of you who don't know, um, when, when they first introduced Runk uh, on the show, remember he had that black hole technology that, that was sucking everything in? In the comic books, he, abs- he accidentally gets it inside of his body, so he's always hungry. So he basically starts to consume everything, literally like cars and like buildings and stuff, and there's like a little parallel universe in his body that Barry gets stuck in. Uh, I'm sorry, Wally. And they eventually find a way to turn the machine off, but he's left perpetually the size of like Fat Albert. Um, and so he, he's really sad about it, but he's a brilliant scientist and they go hang out and, and he becomes one of Wally's best friends. And uh, I've always loved Chunk. That, that was his nickname because he was Chester P. Runk. So they just called him Chunk, which was horrible. Um, but I, <laughs> even though he's a skinny guy on the show, I'll always call him Chunk because that's my boy. I loved him as a kid. I thought he was like just the coolest character because I was like, he's a scientist. Like he always wore a suit and had glasses. And I, I love that we have Chunk on the show now. Um, but again, another Wally character serving Barry because pff, we can't have Wally. <laughs> well yeah i think you kind of segued in because yeah i mean yeah like like the so the forces characters you know yeah. i felt like they were problematic in several different ways you know uh actually cammy brought up the whole idea of the speed force looks like barry's mom 
which <sighs> is already kind of problematic. But then when you add in the fact that now because we've merged the universes, the mm-hmm. version of Barry's mom that's married to Jay Garrick is also on Earth with her. My wife's like, Did, what is she doing that she's getting like all this work from the... Yeah, maybe they understand. just like Michelle Harrison a lot because they <laughs> right. keep trying to find ways of bringing her back. Oh, she's the but, Speed Force. Oh, she's also Joan Garrick. Oh, she, you know... She's- but, but it's also this thing that like, aside from her, these other three were actually real people but right. they're also these forces that Barry and Iris created that yeah. then merged with them or something. And and like this whole idea that they've basically been subsumed by these things. But we don't worry about the fact that these people had their own existence, their own jobs, their own lives. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all just kind of like, oh, we're forces now. And let's just like abandon everything to go do that. And like, because we're just we're just here to serve the let's tell everybody that Barry and Iris really, really love each other very much plot rather than being like characters in our own right and i think that that was my main problem with the with the forces so two things one why does the still force have the ability to travel through time it has the ability to stop things not fast forward and rewind time that first off i never got that that's Mm -hmm. stupid i'm like it's called the still force if you called it the time travel force fine but it's the still force it makes no sense two when they introduced the Still Force in the comic books, one of the coolest things they did is they basically said, okay, because the Still Force originally was made by the turtle, right? The turtle had mm-hmm. the ability to slow things down. We've seen him in the comic books. He dies. He also dies in the comic books. In the comics, they have him reborn. Literally, he's he's reincarnated, but he's a baby. But the power is inside of him, and nobody can get to it. So what do they do? They get Grodd, who has psychic powers, to put on a freaking baby carrier. So there's Gorilla Grodd with a little baby on his chest, and Grodd's able to use his psychic powers to contact the baby uh, 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 superpower and allow the Still Force to go out. So you would have Grodd, Baby Turtle, and the Still Force all in one. Tell me you would not have shown up three times for that episode if they made that on the damn TV show. (laughs) Gorilla Grodd carried a baby like a little papoose. I think what you bring up as sort of a a fundamental, I'll say plot hole or logistics hole is an area where I think most viewers would be willing to suspend disbelief or accept that disappointment if there were other things kind of distracting them away from it. There's always going to be, you know, you know, people like us who watch and we pick apart every little plot hole, every little whatever, but (laughs) usually we're kind of engaged and we're like, okay, I can ignore the fact that this could never have happened because they said in episode three that this is not possible and due to the laws of physics in this town, whatever. Right. We suspend that disbelief because we're engaged in our hero's journey, we're engaged in the relationships, we're engaged in the characters, so on. But as Nathan just mentioned, all of this is set up to serve this Barry and Iris love story for the ages propaganda campaign. And it's <laughs> and because we're not buying into that, we're picking apart everything that's trying to lead us there. So I'm right there with you. Things where I, I will happily ignore any sort of logistics piece where this villain used to have this and suddenly he's taken down through the power of Tinkerbell yeah. magic again. If I believe in this Tinkerbell, mm-hmm. I don't believe in this Tinkerbell bell and that keeps me from buying in and you know what's interesting is that in the comics and again i always use the comics as my 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 go-to point Mm -hmm. wally is the tinkerbell out of them he's the one who has the power of faith and 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 love and he's the one who has hope inside of him barry was always the power of science even in the modern comics barry doesn't fix things with his feelings he fixes things with science he figures out a way to now granted it's it's geordie laforge next generation science where the tachyon blah 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 with the thingy thingy 
but that's how he gets around it. And they never have established the fact that Barry is a scientist. Barry can actually think his way out of these things. He feels his way through these things. I think I know why they don't establish Barry as a scientist, actually. (laughs) If they were to establish Barry as a scientist, which I agree with you that this Mm. incarnation of Barry in this version of The Flash, that is absolutely his strength. I can buy into this guy being smart way more than I can buy into this guy being in love with his sister, probably to his credit, (laughs) right? They don't do that because to do that, which characters would he need to spend more time with? Cisco and and, and, um, Snow, yeah. Cisco and Caitlin. And they have consistently kept him from being too close to Cisco and Caitlin because they didn't want to set up Cisco as the person who would become the next hero in Barry's Mm -hmm. absence because they will not do that which is ultimately why Cisco left the show. Mm-hmm. He should have been next in line for the throne, so to speak. And they won't let Barry have many scenes with Caitlin because she is somebody on the show he has fabulous chemistry with, actually. <laughs> and it completely yeah. undercuts their romance because he has great chemistry with the nerdy doctor. There was a season one episode where they get where she gets drunk at the bar with him and yeah. like he takes her home. And that was like way cuter than anything that he and Iris have ever done. That, so, yeah. that whole episode is one of the only times Barry has come across as a adult male romantic interest <laughs> when he helps her get dressed and go to bed and mm-hmm. whatever. And there's nothing sexual about it and it doesn't go anywhere, whatever. Setting aside her entirely, that is one of the only times where I'm like, this is believably an adult man who could be a romantic interest since then not really yeah absolutely my whole take on this is um i'm fine with them i've never gotten the impression that they portrayed barry as not smart i mean he's a forensic you know his one day a week job uh, when he he goes and and does forensics (laughs) but he's i actually applaud them for this because everyone can't be the smartest person in the room and uh so they basically said hey barry's smart but, you know, he's not as smart as Cisco. He's not as smart. And, and I will also give them credit to, I mean, yes, obviously Cisco is brilliant across multiple fields, but at least they're not doing the thing where he's brilliant in every field. You right, know, right. They, I, I will give them credit to, hey, biology, doctoring, this is Caitlin. Right. Exactly. Right. Which is yeah. always like the sort of felicity issue of she's like a hacker slash IT guru, but oh, by the way, she knows every branch of science and is pretty right. like expert. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. You know, yeah. She's an ichthyologist who in her part-time does particle <laughs> physics. Yeah. yeah. She also benefits from the fact of what Cammy said, which is if you have good chemistry with characters, you can forgive a lot. Uh, well, so that's in true. Felicity's yeah. case, in Felicity's case, it was like, we're okay with it because we love Felicity. So I had hope at the beginning of what they're calling graphic novel three, when the mirror monarch arc was over. And before we started with the forces, we had this stuff where Iris was going to these group therapy sessions and talking with people who had been like replaced by doppelgangers and the mirror stuff. And I thought, we're actually going to address the relationship issues because when she's talking about like the trauma and the hurt and everything, I thought she was going to bring up the fact that I had to watch my husband make love to another person, you know, like, and, and I like, was repeatedly forced to do this. And it's like, it's not his fault because he, like, he didn't know that that's what was happening. But at the same time, that's very hurtful to me. And I thought we were actually going to come to grips with the fact that, th- you know, like there's, there's difficulties and to sort of like, get them to get back together after having those difficult and that wouldn't be cw just creating drama because i think that's a legitimate you know issue where you can actually bring up the fact that this is a situation as messed up as it is that would actually create like very hurtful feelings and would be difficult for a couple to overcome and i thought that that way we could actually try to make 
the relationship that we've been told for so long real because we would see them start at a place and then instead of just saying like but no because i believe in love we're actually in love with like like when they broke up when they were engaged and then it was just like but then we had a musical episode and we're really in love <laughs> it was just like and it's all fixed now and it's like to actually deal with it in the story and and they totally avoid like after that one episode of talking about trauma and talking about like how damaging it all was it was like no nope, it's gone doesn't yeah. happen well, you can't once more with feeling everything i mean <laughs> and, and, and seriously and, and that's the thing is with once more with feeling it that that episode actually brought up all the bad stuff instead of resolving all the bad things whereas the flashes version was like okay we musical did out so we're good you know so it, it's it, it's difficult to to not come down like a freaking stone, like just, just like an anvil on the show, because there were so many opportunities where they, they, the brass ring is in sight, like it's right there and they reach for it, but then they go psych and they go look over here. And, and, and you start getting a little pissed off about it after a while, right? Like you, you start to really get a little mad about it because all you wanted to do is to commit to grabbing that brass ring. Will it be traumatic for the audience? Absolutely. A great example is, I don't know if anybody watches the show, but it's called Blackish. Um, and it's just about a, an African-American family who's very well off uh, living in California. And about two years ago, they went through about, I'd say, 14 episodes where the husband and wife, basically, they split up on the show. Mm -hmm. um, and they love each other, but they just they don't connect anymore. And they spent the better part of a year of these two characters finding a way back to each other. And they made it very clear in the writer's room, we don't know if we're actually gonna write it this way. We have not figured out if these characters are gonna successfully be able to get back together, or if this show is gonna be about two separate households now. And they, they allowed the show to tell them where to go. And I feel like, as we've all said ad nauseum for the last hour and a half, the Flash TV writers are afraid to let that kind of uh, organic writing occur they keep trying to force it versus allowing it to organically occur and yes. fortunately for those who i've now made fearful about blackish it's okay they got back together it's cool but they went through 18 episodes of trauma in order to get there and that is a and it's a wonderful show it pays off in that um and that's something that i think the flash is afraid to do because i think there's an expectation that if it's a comic book show the standard procedural should always be maintained the, the the equilibrium status quo should never be shook up and i think the successful shows are the ones who are willing to shake up the equilibrium and the ones who are showing the weakness in their storytelling techniques are the ones who keep trying to force us into these avenues and it doesn't work oh. um arrow suffered from it and then they got out of it you know legends of tomorrow started really badly that way and they got out of it supergirl has consistently figured a ways out and so on and so forth well it I, my impression is just that the writers believe the only way to have any sort of character growth for Barry or Iris of any sort is for them to be parents. They literally think that there's no other option. They just have to pump out some kids. Right. The romance isn't work. So let's move them on to being parents yeah. and talk about the relationship with their kids, because that's maybe something we can do to like make it feel like they're a couple. Oh, the is... classic fix a marriage with babies. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Right. Yes. Yes. So exactly. well. <laughs> The baby right. boomers have lots of thoughts on that one. There's a whole generation of kids who are the result of that exact philosophy. <laughs> All right. So, so, but let's move on now. We got to talk about, I mean, cause we kind of alluded to it, but you know, we did have Carlos Valdez and Tom Cavanaugh leave, and now we have Chester and we have Allegra as our new characters. And so I, I want to know like how, you know, like Ryan, let's start with you on this one. Like, how do you feel about that transition? Do you feel like it was handled well? Do you feel like we actually have replacement characters? Or do you feel like, 
or replacement, not in the sense of they're 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 replacing them directly, but in the sense that they can hold their water in the same way that that those that those two characters did. Or do you feel like this was kind of like scrambling to 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 fix something that they saw was going to be a problem, and, and we don't we're not really there yet with them. No, I feel this transition actually worked pretty well. Um, I know we mentioned the '90s episode as kind of like our favorite. Uh, um, uh, Cisco episode, uh, but it also felt kind of transitional. It was a story mm-hmm. about you know uh, Cisco and and Chester together, and so it just felt like a passing of the torch yeah. episode uh, very much. I have I've loved Chester. I'm not familiar with him from the comics, however, I've loved his character because he shows up with the energy that uh, Carlos used to bring, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's just it's so apparent, especially when they're on the screen together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm completely fine with that. As far as Allegra goes, no one's going to replace Tom Cavanaugh um, no. ever. But uh, I feel like she's a, a good character in her own right. I don't see her as a replacement to him. Uh, I, now, I think she's had the one good side, perhaps, uh, to Ralph not being here this season, is I feel it has given her a chance to grow and shine in a way she might not have been able to otherwise, um, or other characters even. So I, honestly, I really didn't expect her to continue um, in her storyline with Ultraviolet. I did, I don't, I'm not sure we would have gotten that without yeah. Ralph um, not being there mm. this season. So I'm kind of curious to see where they take her. It is good to have, uh, because I actually feel like she has potential for growth. Her and Cecile um, are probably my favorite, you know, um, second tier or maybe even third tier uh, characters. And I'd just like to see where, where they go with that. And I wouldn't mind them bringing them up uh, to the majors um, in the next season. Yeah, I mean, Cecile, Chunk, and Allegra are like this little subgroup in the Flash family, yeah. right? And like, they're really working well. Like, those three characters are feeding off of each other in a really great way. Because when Chunk was feeling like I'm, I'm, and I, by the way, I will always refer to him as Chunk. So just everybody be okay Except. with that. <laughs> uh, but, um, but, but, but when Chunk was finally brought in to, to quote unquote replace Cisco, and he was like literally repainting the, 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 mm. the laboratory and whatnot, and he's not feeling okay with it. You know, Cecile showing up, like, it's okay. Allegra showing up, it's okay. You know, I mean, hell, even uh, uh, Caitlin showed up for a bit. It's cool. This is your space and so on and so forth. And Chunk is figuring out how he's going to, you know, uh, be his version of it. And he's a fan of people who have already been doing this for six years. So the fact that he inherited Cisco's trading cards, a thing that they have not done in years and i love the fact that we got to see the trading cards again where it's like i have trading cards of all of our rogues and there's a binder of them and i'm like i want to see that binder like i want that it's a great energy to have um allegra i think has been a fantastic addition i think we need to see her more in the explorer indiana jones scientist role she she's they, they've kind of relegated her into the and this is talking to somebody who is Hispanic. I am the Latino character, so I must be more in my Latino-ness. And I'm going to talk to my cousin, and we're just going to have emotional Catholic drama. Um, in Spanish. In Spanish. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, we can we can be, you know, a little bit more diverse than that. Well, I know that's we what they a- did this season. But otherwise, she's been, I'm the CC citizen character. And see, nobody right. cares about CC. I'm sorry. Like, Iris, like, deciding that a blog was more important than being in a newspaper was a bad decision. But and in 2049, she has her own building. Boring storyline, <laughs> yeah. and they try so hard to make us think that this is like super important and viral, right. and this is online reporting and cutting. <laughs> oh my god, they sound so old. They sound so like a blog. They sound like old is people the, trying to be. Is this the year twenty twelve? I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if the Citizen actually became a legitimate newspaper, and again, we would actually get a couple of episodes a season about Iris talking about, uh, uh, like, just 
don't show us the team as we know them. Show it through the eyes of a reporter. Mm-hmm. And, and and we're seeing the flash as a mysterious person. Yeah. And we're seeing it through a reporting angle. That would do so much legwork, not only for Allegra, but also for, for Iris. And it would mm-hmm. be such a great change of narrative pace. It would be interesting to see. I mean, Introduce a stupid villain that's scaring the hell out of everybody for one episode and the flash resolves it. And that's a 45 minute. This is why the central citizen, uh, the, 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 the central city citizen is important. Well, they don't need, I, I hate to say this, but it shouldn't even be a paper. It should be a podcast. It right. should be, you know, something more current than that. Yeah. The, right. I mean, the very idea that this, this business can actually support three staff members where, where, how? Yeah, yeah. how well, you know? well, Ryan, I'm sorry, but you're going to make me mad again. Like in Once Upon a Time, where Henry does one podcast. It's like this big New York firm wants to pay yeah. you to do your podcast. Right. And it's like, that is the most unrealistic thing in all but of Once Upon a Time. But the difference with, with Iris would be if they play it up that she has exclusive access to the flash like yeah what they need to do yeah what they need to do honestly and they should have done this maybe two seasons ago is barry needs to come out he needs to reveal his identity and uh then hey i'm the wife of the flash and i know it basically builds her stole that storyline though yeah (laughs) (laughs) but they could do it now and they need to do it now oliver was like barry you stole my wedding (laughs) they could do that but it kind of presents a kind of a, a questionable ethical framework work mm-hmm. and with a more ethical hero i think they could pull it off and at this point barry is not that so right. if it, you know i know we should suspend disbelief but we've already established the show's giving us problems with suspending disbelief if you are in that framework and your town's vigilante comes out and he is elevating his wife's employment status essentially by giving her exclusive information that he's getting through that he's getting through police business it's just there are a lot of ethical issues with that there was a particular conversation in one of the episodes and i don't recall which one where barry and joe are discussing police business iris is very clearly functioning functioning in a reporter capacity listens in on the conversations asks more questions and it it was very ethically questionable everything about it and ultimately barry's the one that i'm going to blame because i a am hard on male characters b he's leading the show and i don't like him but (laughs) it also casts some bad light on iris and joe as well i don't trust these characters to make good ethical decisions as it pertains to policing and reporting and this like this year in particular as a i i would be if i were in the position of the writers i'd be very hesitant to start showing shady police business or shady reporting business because that's going to come across as particularly off-putting to i think viewers regardless of you know your personal political standpoint i agree with you about the ethical implications of it but that this is not new territory for this show they spent the first season or two throwing characters into solitary confinement <laughs> without due process right you know uh for you know without even anyone knowing hey they did, we're gonna disappear you we're gonna redact you and so right. i compared to that and i had so much i, I think joe finally stepped up and said this this might not be right guys yeah no no crap it's not right yeah so compared to that i i feel like this is kind of like 
as far as it, it's wrong, but it's a degree of wrong right. so much lower. It's a different right. place on the scale than pure villainy, which is where Barry was. <laughs> but at least but in chilling. season one, you had the Thawne trap door, which is, you know, they were being told, we need to hide these guys out. We need to put them in a safety container. And the guy advising you literally is your worst enemy. You just don't know it. <laughs> you, if so they like, stopped at the end of season one, that would have been fine. But we still right. see them putting people in the pipeline after right. that. It was, I, think, I think it was near the end of season two when they finally, like Joe was like, you know what? I've been thinking about this. <laughs> This might not be the best move, you know, and, but, you know, even Joe had a problem this year where he is clearly running across the new police chief Kramer and because she's doing sketchy stuff because she's got a black ops military background, so on and so forth. And then Cecile says, you know what? Forget about the book. Don't follow the book. Don't go to the governor and break this case wide open. Use your feelings. And again, I, I think Cammy has a good point. You know, that's not who Joe is. Joe is like the super cop. Joe is the cop that we all want to see in America. You right. know, the one who actually tries to do the right thing, even when it means, you know, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I get morally Joe was trying to do the right thing. And I know that's what they're trying to do. But, you know, there are so many cases right now, it's just in the world of officers who think they're doing the right thing, but then they ultimately are harming people instead of helping them where it's, it's a very sticky wicket. I felt like, they they screwed up. It's another case of I don't feel like the people who do these shows are talking to each other because mm -hmm. they also did the person quitting, although it wasn't quite the police, but Sophie quitting in Batwoman mm -hmm. from the Crows was a case of we see all this stuff that's happening with people overstepping, police brutality and everything. Mm -hmm. We're going to have our character distance themselves from that. I felt like with Joe, it was like they tried doing the same thing with Joe. But it's like, but Joe was the captain of the police force. And I felt like it's a very different position because he's the one that can change, change the culture and can like actually yeah. like do things that will like, you know, fix problems. And I felt like having Joe just quit because, you know, like, you know, like, oh, I, I don't like this. And it's just well, like, well, then you should be elevating that. You should be saying, I'm the captain of the police force. This so, is wrong. And, and, and holding a hard line there. And so, so yeah. I let me tell that. you about the missed opportunity, because we need to talk about Godspeed, because I only got like 15 minutes left. <laughs> we need to talk about Godspeed. And I need to tell you the missed opportunity when you think about it in this context, which is for those who don't know, Godspeed in the comic books, again, is only like a three-year-old character. Mm. It, it wasn't a very good one, but it had one thing that has aged phenomenally well in the last three years. Godspeed was a cop oh. who decided that he was going to take the law into his own hands because he got super speed. So in the comics, Godspeed was the first person who was hit by uh, a speed force storm that was generated by Black Hole. Remember those guys from the Mirror Master, right? They had gotten technology. They had figured out a way to basically screw with the speed force, and they found a way to get make new speedsters that were significantly slower than Barry, but could still be a problem. And so Godspeed figured out, wait a minute, we have all these people who have super speed, and when we get too close to each other, we can actually lend each other speed. What if I take all of it? And he was on a mission to find his brother's killer. So he started taking the law into his own hand. And the first thing he did was go and find all the speedsters he could and absorb all their power, which accidentally killed them. And he didn't mean to, right? Mm. He was trying to do the right thing. And for those of you who can't see this because it's not video, I'm doing giant air quotes. Um, and then basically tries to go after his brother's killer and is making all the wrong choices. Now, when you combine that with what seems to be a like the perfect utopia version of the police force in central city cops, because we never really talk about them abusing their power on the flash TV show. Mm -hmm. You know, you could have this cop who's coming in and doing the thing that he thinks is right, but he's doing it for all the wrong reasons. Right. And he's, he's breaking the rules. He's, he's hurting people. He ultimately kills his brother's killer. And then afterwards finds out that wasn't the guy, 
you know, stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. This would have been gritty, good, horribly timely material to put into the show, but also a relevant way of making the conversation something that could have felt, it could, could have had more gravitas. And they missed all of it for, we're time remnants that just want to survive and whatever the hell that well, no, no, no. the whole, the whole thought process was we have this really cool looking speedster and we're going to have lightning lightsabers. That oh was like the whole, I was like, going to skip the lightning lightsabers. <laughs> my God, the lightning lightsabers. I was like, what, what? Like, this is my problem with how they depict the speed force. The power should be based on making things faster and slower, <laughs> hence speed forms. But right. now we're throwing lightning, we're making lightsabers out of it. Like, none of these things seem like they should be speed force powers. Like, well, when like Savitar shows up in the comics and he makes speedsters slow. Yes. Or he can, like, take the speed out of a bullet so it doesn't hurt him. That's cool. That was like, oh, my God, this guy is like, I mean, like, this guy's terrifying because of what right. he can do. You know, and, and like, but they've they've constantly taken a step back from the speed force to turn it into loose set of force. powers that we just want to throw out there and just make up off the cuff that now it can do that. We can make lightsabers out of it now. Well, you know, like they could have even, the, the, the thing is, is that they had an episode with Nora XS because we have so many Noras now on the damn show. <laughs> um, but we had Nora XS, the, 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 the baby girl, um, having the ability to create her lightning lasso. And all they had to say was, I'm able to vibrate the molecules around my hand so fast, I'm able to create small electrical storms and I'm able to basically kind of throw it out. And like, you know, they could, they could BS this so easily, but they don't. They just go, lightning lasso. And it's like, what? Lightsabers. What? Like, it's, it, and I, again, I know that we're parsing, you know, we're literally talking about superpowers here. I mean, we're, we're, we're so far off the realm of plausibility. I mean, but, right. you know, but Green Lantern ring is going to be too complicated. <laughs> right. You know, right. <laughs> but seriously, lightsaber, when the lightsabers came out, I literally was like, have we jumped the shark? I think we jumped the shark. <laughs> like, I think this King is shark the shark a while ago. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, King Shark was a great moment, but I think like we had our fonts jumping the shark moment. I, 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 I don't know if the show can come back from lightsabers. Well, well, and don't even get me started at the, we pulled out the reverse flash just for the excitement of seeing the reverse flash, but it's like, but what is the context? Because we already established that the reverse flash was purged from Wells, yet he shows up with the Wells face. It's so yes. what time period have we pulled this Wells from? And and why, why, why did, like, why does this Wells think you know, like that, that what he's doing is helpful and what did Barry tell him? And it's just like, no, we just wanted to like, you know, we just want Tom Cavanaugh to be reverse flash again. Like, so. Why can't we bring it. back Matt Lester, right? Like yeah. bring back Matt Lester a little bit. Come on. You know, but yeah. that's the problem with this whole idea of we love Tom Cavanaugh as the bad guy, but we don't want him to be the bad guy. No. Like it's yeah. so it's uh, the flash has problems with commitment, commitment <laughs> to what characters well, are, what characters are supposed to be and what characters are going to precede. And and they did the same thing with having uh, um, Cisco show up at the yeah. very end. It's like, oh, we're going to do this big extended episode of him leaving. Hey, he's back like four episodes. Right. You know, hey, don't later. knock yeah. it. That was the best thing about the episode, though. That was the problem. Like, I was like, no. yeah, they, I was like, this episode is so bad. Even like Cisco showing up was the thing that I was like, I actually enjoyed that because he came in and <laughs> actually had a little bit better than me now. I binged that entire season and it just undid that entire emotional moment of Cisco leaving. Oh, no, he's back. You know, well, he's not back back. He's just well, visiting. 
I mean, the show was at least self-aware enough to go, okay, I'm gone for five minutes and you guys can't complete a plot line without the needing of Cisco. <laughs> like, at least they were self-aware enough to say that. And I, I appreciated that. But it is frustrating. You know, they had enough. Like, wouldn't it have been great instead of it being Cisco? You see Chunk bump in and he's got, like, his own version of vibe gear. And it works for five seconds and it just falls apart. He goes, that's what I get for making it out of garbage. You know, like that would have been a great start to whatever Chunk is going to become, right? Like Chunk can be kind of like Cisco, but it's not going to work the same way because he loves trash. You know, like, because I, I love that. That's such a weird, stupid plot point. And it's such a weird nod to the fact that he ate garbage in the comic books in order to keep the black hole sustained. Like, it, it just, I, I want, I, I want them to develop that more. And it was, well, he it was feels like a real tech guy in a way that even yeah. Cisco really did. Cisco seemed like a geek, a guy that loves sci-fi and stuff, mm -hmm. but he never, but like me as an engineer, Chunk seems like a real tech guy. Like he yeah. seems like he's got that same thing of I just love the tech. I love playing with with broken stuff and all that right. kind of stuff. And I and I kind of appreciate that character trait. His 1980s subwoofers in his <laughs> office, right? That have like the freaking wood paneling on the side. Yeah. I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed seeing wood paneling on speakers because guys, I grew up with that. I remember that so vividly. Ryan, you're you're, you're with me on this one, right? You remember these speakers, right, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> all right. So 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 yeah, I mean uh Cammy, really uh, I, I hate that we're we're all talking about everything and it's like everybody's not getting a chance in here. But yeah, like um because I, I don't think you mentioned yet what you feel about Allegra and uh, Chester, but also the Godspeed storyline. Like, just give us your overview there. I love the new characters on a normative scale. So mm -hmm. if we're comparing them to how well some of the other characters have progressed over the course of seven seasons, have evolved in their hero's journey, you know, we're, we're seeing some, uh, I say this so tentatively because I feel like I'm going to have to take this back the very first episode of next season. <laughs> we're seeing some progression we're seeing some improvement and we are seeing also better chemistry not just you know uh, romantic chemistry but the trio that i believe sean was mentioning a while ago of allegra chester and cecile we see a, a maybe a better team dynamic fostered than what was sort of forced at various times throughout um the flash seasons one through six and also seven <laughs> In terms of the Godspeed storyline, exactly the same feeling as the earlier, you know, sort of two chapters or two graphic novels that were, you know, touched on within the season. They are upping the ante without upping the audience's feeling and excitement. And it is a case of missed opportunities. And But I, I try to hold myself back from calling everything a missed opportunity because not everything that's in the comics can be translated onto the screen and not everything is within budget and this is a COVID year and so on and so forth. So they really are going to have to pare it down and miss some things that they would have rather touched on. But in this case, holistically, we see that they are just sort of reaching for the biggest gun they can find to shoot at a problem that is already dead i don't know that's a terrible metaphor but I, you understand what i'm saying <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, all right so just really quick i want to mention my thoughts like i think chester's working out the best of the new characters i feel like he's found his own niche so he doesn't feel like he's just trying to be cisco 2.0 allegra i feel like they're still struggling with um i do like her interactions with chester um 
I, I couldn't care less about her on CC Citizen, which is most of what they've given her. It seemed like they were trying to do more with her, with you know, uh, her cousin, um, with uh, with um, Ultraviolet, Ultraviolet, mm-hmm. but. You know, like, again, it's one of those things like it, it, it didn't feel like the storyline really worked for me. And so I want to see more there. Like like you were mentioning, Sean, we've established in this alternate earth. She was like an Indiana Jones type character mm-hmm. along with Nash Wells. I would like to see more of that sort of adventuring side to her and less about just the grief and drama. Rather than it, her sitting in a blog office and calling <laughs> Iris boss every two seconds as the yeah. show tries to remind us, look, we did give Iris something. Here's somebody calling her boss. Uh, right. right. You know, Allegra writes all the pieces in Irish. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> all right. All right. But yeah, so with Godspeed to me, the big missed opportunities, I thought they might be course correcting from Savitar because there's a point where he says, I am the God of speed. And you know, the whole thing was he was leeching yep. speed from characters. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh God, are we going to do speed batteries? Like what Savitar was doing in the comics or stuff like that, where he's like finding people who like tap into the speed force and just like wiring them together. And like, so I would be like, I can just drain all of this to become truly the fastest being like but we didn't do anything with that we went to speed we went to lightning lightsabers which like yeah. was like uh, like there was nothing exciting or interesting about that and like the whole thing of i'm still not quite clear what the plot was with the godspeed thing of yeah they were all time remnants and they're trying to exist but why did some want to kill barry and others didn't and what was the whole fighting about like i'm still not quite clear exactly what was going on he was from the future but yeah, like Something. so the, the the basic plot as because I just rewatched it like two days ago. Okay. Um, the the basic plot resolution that they were trying to say is that they were all remnants from all failed attempts from him to go back in time, and they all wanted to continue to exist. And so some of them had realized there's no way we can do it. So the best thing we could do is just go back and kill Flash. The other half were like, no, if we kill our prime maybe we can spin off and become our own versions of ourselves, And there'll be 20 of us, but we can, but we'll, we'll stop him from doing this because one of the things, and I actually like that they did this is you can't travel through time without the cosmic treadmill period. You can't do it. If you travel through time, just using super speed, you're going to screw it up and you're going to make a flashpoint. But if you got a cosmic treadmill, (laughs) you can do it. And I know it sounds stupid, but that is established (laughs) war in the freaking comic books. They actually showed it up and they made him do it. And I was like, oh my God, Godspeed learned how to go back in time without making a flashpoint, which is use the cosmic treadmill because it allows him to shoot at a, a better trajectory instead of the way they describe it is when you're just flying through the speed force you're basically ricocheting off time all the time which is creating these fractures whereas the the cosmic treadmill basically allows you to move in a straight line is it stupid bs logic sure but at least they made it and at least God- it allows us to say cosmic treadmill cosmic <laughs> treadmill right but, all right all right ugh. so i'm going to combine things into just two final questions all right but we got to be really quick We've got three characters here. Um, Caitlin, I mean, I'm going to combine Caitlin as Caitlin slash Killer Frost. It's one or two characters. Um, we have um, Sue Dibney, and we have the the new police chief whose name I did not look up. Bad on me, Kramer. Kramer, thank you. So we have these three, uh, you know, characters. You know, one of them being brand new, two of them being established characters. Um, Kramer, you know, comes off very bad right from the beginning with the whole idea that I'm going to force uh, metahumans uh, into the cure if they're criminals. They jaywalk. They're a criminal and I'm going to take away their powers because any any meta criminal must. But Joe keeps insisting, I, I got a feeling about her. She's really a good person. I'm like, but her actions clearly demonstrate she's not. And then at the end, the through line is, oh, but she was a meta all along. So it's okay. 
All right, so that's one. Two, we've got Sue, who was so awesome last season. And this season is just like, I'm just going to show up and be mean girl. And, you know, that was fine when it was sparking off of Ralph and felt like a flirty kind of like we're going to snipe at each other. We really kind of like each other thing. When she shows up and just tells Allegra, you're awful and stupid. And, you know, I'm better than you in every way. And, oh, I'll apologize to you later. But, you know, that makes it all better. Right. Then (laughs) we're going to then we have Killer Frost. Who I agree, the interactions between her and Caitlin, beautiful, wonderful, fun. But then it's like, oh, we're going to introduce this scumbag character. And now she's going to fall madly in love with him. No, no, no. You have to say his name. Well, it's crap. the worst cold based character name ever. Yeah, what was his? I didn't even pay Chill attention. Chill Blaine. Oh. Chill Blaine. <laughs> Chill Blaine. <laughs> oh. And that is from the comics. That is legit from the comics. It's a horrible character. All right. So it's like, I like that we're, you know, doing more with female characters in a general sense. And I was going to handle each of these individually, but obviously time's running away with us. But it kind of feels like they're not writing women well. So, um, Cammy, I want you to take the floor on this one. Do I have this wrong or do you feel like there, there are problems here? And in my notes here, Flash writes women a lot, but Flash does not write women well. Mm. And I think that's a there's a there's a quantity quality situation going on here. And I never am going to sit here and push back when new women are introduced. Give me all of the heroines and antiheroines and villainesses and everything on the scale, right? But at some point it's sort of like, okay, we need to set down some of the some of the tools we're working with here and figure out how to swing a hammer. They haven't figured that out here yet. The closest they come in the trio that you listed and also in the entire show is Caitlin Snow. Mm. And much of that, as all three of you, I think, have already brought up, is to the credit of you know, the actress. She did, Daniel Panabaker came in to this with a lot more experience than most of the cast, and, and it does show. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's uh, She comes across as a pretty dedicated artist. And as she has had time to explore Frost as well as Snow and develop those. And and also, you know, you've mentioned Dabble and directing and so on. She really has become kind of that one piece that the viewers can hold on to in terms of, oh, you know, there is a, there's a well-written character or at least well-delivered, even with the, you know, missed opportunities they have with her character. They've struggled when it comes to romance for her. I, I I mentioned this before and I'll just sort of reiterate it here. The real elephant in the room is that they continue to put her in questionable romances, both Frost <laughs> and Snow, because they can't put her in scenes with Barry because she has chemistry with him. And it's it's kind of a, a point of issue that, you know, stirs the pot plot a bit. Reverse those two words, I guess. When it comes to the anti-hero villainous side, and that's you know more with the police chief that we have introduced here, I I struggle with this because a lot of the things that they have their specifically their semi-villainous female characters doing 
are things that Barry has absolutely done a million times over and it's painted as heroism. And that's where I, I struggle beyond just the framework of, oh, they have cringy lines of dialogue, like the time they previously had an actual female character say the term hashtag feminism on the show and everything inside me just wanted to curl up in a cringe ball and die, right? They, there are some dialogue issues, but there's some ethical issues we run into i bet a man wrote it (laughs) you know you know some guy wrote that and he was like ally look at me guys yeah but uh uh, the actress had to say it i would have loved to have been on the set like have my puke pot ready you know after i utter this you You get handed the script you're like can i can i negotiate for a bonus for this i know you guys are giving me bonuses for sex scenes with barry but can i also get a bonus if i have to give cheesy girl power lines that are not at all earned by the framework of the show Right. When it comes to female, you know, we saw this with the previous storyline of Frost going to jail as well. Continually, we see women take, you know, responsibility and ownership, either willingly or by force, for their questionable actions, for their villainy, for their anti-heroism, and so on. And it's it's usually rightfully so. It uh, it is in cases where women have done quote unquote bad things on this show. It's just that this show hasn't earned that level of accountability because it doesn't return that level of accountability to Barry. So there's sort of the it, it, there's sort of this um two-faced double standards element that you kind of have to wonder are the writers in on it or do they not notice what they're doing Hmm. all right so um ryan anything more to follow up on on those three characters specifically and what's uh I, I agree with you. Sue does not work, uh, at least not as well, without Ralph to play off of. Um, as far as... Uh, I, but I don't think it's necessarily so. I think it's the right... Like, I think that with better writing, they could have made her work better. But they're yeah. trying to give her the same lines, which work fine as sort of, like, friction flirtiness that don't work when it's just like, hey, person I barely know, I'm going to just, like, insult you. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. She's gone from a... Um, it's gone from flirting to just a character trait. And that mm. lessens it, uh, in my opinion. Um, as far as Frost goes, um, and and I mean, my philosophy on that is like, you know, everyone wants to slum around a little bit sometimes. And if that's what he is, that's fine. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, but he's not. For the audience at home, he is chill Chilblain. <laughs> the, the. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, th- there's no denying that he's, good looking you know so like if, she, if that's all it is and like fine sure go for it you know but i mean and for where frost is concerned her experiences are, are all vicariously through snow so this well, is like i her, know but i feel yeah. like she's too naive for what they tried to build her up as is this is the assertive like worldwide like like she still naively trusts him and like it's like yeah. she acts like she's a schoolgirl with a crush on this guy where well, i'm like frost should be a lot more like dominant and a lot more like you know i, like, I, I, I agree and, well rewind that for a second because you're applying lessons that are not learned yet by snow by, by frost snow understands the romantic side of things she was in relationships mm. frost never had that before chilblain frost was the person who had to fight and scrape to exist to then try to go out and understand what the world was like and all she understood was violence and beating the crap out of people and more or less just being a quote-unquote badass she's not had a chance to be romantic yet whereas caitlin we were introduced as being somebody who literally in the first episode was heartbroken because ronnie had died 
right so yeah. like her she's she's understood that she's been able to to go through those motions so for her to make a horrible quote-unquote first romantic decision in the bad boy kind of makes sense you know i mean she 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 was the bad girl so you know she's being attracted to the bad boy so i can at least give them credit for the fact that okay i see why she would do that so to say she's the the wizened world woman Okay, yeah, but not in the rules of romance that she she's got a blind spot and we all have blind spots and I think giving people blind spots is actually a healthy thing because none of us have it all worked out. Right. You know, so I I don't I don't take that away from her. I like that. It makes her more human to me. Okay. I really got to move this forward because we're almost out of time. Uh, final question. I just want like one or two sentences on this one and then we're going to say our goodbyes and I'm sorry I got to do this. We got to cut it. Um what do you want to see in season eight? So just like, again, like, like just, just one or two things. Um, can we go? I want to see a new flash. I want to see the flash mantle handed over entirely. I, I want them to completely remove specifically both Barry Allen as played by Grant Gustin and our current Iris from the show. I think that needs to happen as soon as possible. And at this point, I think they can make it work with almost anyone kind of in quotation marks as the new flash. But I just think they have, they have overstayed this incarnation of the flash and the mantle has to be passed and they need to, they need to exit. Okay. Brian. Uh, barring that, I want to see Barry reveal his secret identity and I want to see, um, Honestly, them start to wind it down. I am fine with ending the Flash by setting up a Justice League series. Maybe that's fewer episodes instead of like your 19 or 22 episodes, do your eight or 12 episodes with a Flash character, be it Barry or someone else. But yeah, I'm, I'm honestly at the point now where I think I'm not done with the Flash's story, but I'm done with this story mm. or I'm getting there. Okay. Sean? Um, both excellent suggestions uh i think with the tools that we have on the ground what i would like to see is the trial of barry allen which is a famous story where basically barry is held accountable for things that he's done as the flash i think that would be fantastic and would work really well in tandem with writing him out of the show and or also revealing his true identity i think introducing bart this year gives them an excellent opportunity to develop impulse as the next flash since obviously we can't go to wally we can develop that which could lead to one of the saddest greatest storylines of all time which is the death of bart allen and if you've never read that basically it's one of the most heroic events in all of flash comics where he has no super speed but he still has to fight the rogues and he wins but he dies and it's amazing mm -hmm. and it makes me cry when i think about it because that's how Bart Allen goes out until rebirth. So um, I love that. And I think that would be a great way to finish the show, which is the Flash always knows that the Flash will do the right thing no matter what. Yeah, for me, um, I think you've got Jay Garrick on this earth you got to use Jay Garrick. Um, we didn't mention him yet in this season, but like I said to my wife when we got him, I'm like, somehow, as soon as John Wesley Ship is on the screen, he elevates the show. Mm -hmm. It's like the guy who should have been the Flash you know, all this time who wants, who wishes he had been the Flash for 25 years or whatever, you know, like he's on there and he's always like, I'm Jay Garrick. And, you know, and he's got that classic superhero stance and everything. And it's like, yeah, this is it. This is the guy. He's awesome. And so, uh, yeah, like, like as part of a Barry going away, maybe have Jay step up for a while and mentor Bart or something, mm -hmm. but like definitely more Jay Garrick on this show. And also I, I really want a recast of Ralph 
herself. I mean, I know it's going to take a lot of work to find someone with the same chemistry. I don't think Sue is a failed character, but I want to see Sue. And I do like Sue and Ralph. And since you already teased me on it, I want to see a follow through. So it's like, yeah, could she have been a character on her own? Sure. Yeah. But I want her with Ralph and I want you to pay off some of that stuff you were doing with Ralph earlier. Another actor, easy to do. He makes his face different or for whatever actress. reason. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, to find somebody with the chemistry. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that's that's it though. That's time for this day, uh, for this episode. Uh, so um, Cammy, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Thank you so much for having me on, Nathan. And thank you, Sean and Ryan, for chatting with me and listening to me complain about The Flash. Um, you You're can in find good company. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Uh, you can find me on social media at Cammy and Ray on Twitter and everywhere else. And I also do live streams on YouTube on Wednesday nights where I talk about the woman who made TV great this week and the men who made it terrible. Join me. <laughs> All right, Sean, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Uh, sure. You can uh, basically catch me online at Numa Z. That's P N E U M A Z. And uh, of course, if you're going to be at Dragon Con, come see us at the Pop Cycle booth. That is Pop Cycle Bobbles. We'll be on the third floor. We make all of our stuff handmade. And uh, every once in a while, we get on Twitch and we, we talk and, and make art and talk about whatever's on our mind, geekiness and whatnot. Uh, we're even doing a thing called Random Fandom, where my wife and I just pick a random topic and talk about that thing um so yeah come by and say hey and uh, we'll see you on socials all right and ryan why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you well internet until next time never saying goodbye um feel free to find me anywhere the 42 cast is otherwise you can sure check out my website geekstranger.com because i'm paying for it so you know it might as well get some use uh, hopefully i'll be dusting it off in the near future because i do have plans it's just executing them all right well uh cammy sean ryan thank you so much for being on the show this week thank you thanks for having us thanks for having us and that's it for our flash episode part of me wishes that we had recorded this a little bit later just because we weren't able to comment on some things like the upcoming armageddon storyline that's coming in for season eight of the flash where we weren't able to talk about the fact that we are getting Eddie Thon back on the series, which is one of those things I've been talking about for many, many seasons. And so that's going to be interesting heading into season eight. So you can't be sure. And certainly season seven was a missed opportunity, but I'm hoping this means that there's a course correction and that season eight is actually going to be quality uh, across the board. And so we'll see, but Man, just as long as they don't mismanage things like they did with Season 7, we should be doing okay. But, that aside, what did you think about the episode? <laughs> I know some people talk about the fact that when you're negative about something, you should be quiet. You know, there are a lot of people who think that you shouldn't say anything. But I feel like with a review, you gotta be honest. And I always review the Flash seasons, and, you know, this one was kind of a misstep. That's just how we all felt about it. We're all still watching the show. We all still like it. I don't like slagging something off just to be shocking or whatever. And we certainly weren't slagging off. But there are a lot of legitimate problems with this season of The Flash. So, I'm curious, though. What do you all think? Do you think that we should just skip over things that we don't like overall? Or do you think that it's good to have that discussion? Did you have fun with all the different people we had? I mean, I know Sean and Cammie aren't on all that often. You know, Ryan and I are on. <laughs> I'm on all the time. Ryan's not on all, you know, Ryan's on, you know, pretty often. But Sean and Cammie, 
they're people we only get every once in a while. So, you know, what do you think of everybody? What do you think of the dynamic? It's the kind of stuff I always want to know. And since each episode just about has a different dynamic, I would love for people to start talking about the dynamics and things like that. I never get that kind of feedback. So anyway, this is me saying I would love that feedback. And you can let me know in a variety of ways. You can go to everything at 42cast.com and send us an email there. You can go to my website, which is 42cast.com. You can go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can tweet to us or go on our Instagram at 42cast. Send messages to either of those. And you can leave reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. And with Apple Podcasts especially, that does help because the more reviews we get, the more we show up in searches. And so I would appreciate that. Also want to let you know about the ESO Patreon. That is a Patreon that helps all of the shows on the network. So if you go to patreon.com slash ESO network, you can look at the tiers. You can look at what you get with those tiers. You get some early episodes of some shows. You get some exclusive episodes of some shows. And with one tier, you even get a whole exclusive ESO network podcast that you can only get through Patreon. So you can check all that out. And obviously, if you have some funds you'd like to contribute to the network, we'd all appreciate it. You can also find me on two other podcasts. One is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't have to get a hold of the episodes. I know it's kind of hard to find classic Who in the States. You don't have to get a hold of the episodes. We explain everything that happens. Certainly, it is better if you can watch the episodes. You'll get more out of it. You can check that out. That's Time Streams. The other show is Legendary Forces, where Juliet and I again, but also with Joe Heath, Ashley Pauls, and Corinne Vitek, we're going through all of Star Wars fictional media. So that's all the TV shows, comics, movies, novels, all of that stuff. Going through all of that, sort of analyzing Star Wars as it grew, and sort of talking about things like continuity and quality, and what is the Star Wars mythos, and how did that change, and how did people's expectations change. And so really doing kind of a deep dive into Star Wars as a franchise. So yeah, definitely love it if you checked out either of those, if either of them sound interesting to you. And otherwise, not a whole lot of news. I mean, Beth and I were watching a miniseries called Shogun that was made in the early 80s. You know, we like Japanese stuff, whether it's anime, samurai films, kaiju movies, whatever. And so that's been a lot of fun. I feel like we watched something else, and I don't even remember what it was anyway anymore that I was going to mention something about, but oh well, I guess it can't be that important. But yeah, that's it for our Flash episode. Oh god, I should say I feel really bad for Eric. I keep saying that I'm going to get this interview edited up and put out, and I still haven't done that yet, so sorry for everybody who is expecting the Eric Ratcliffe episode. It's still not edited on my end, but thank you, Ben, for editing all these other episodes so that I can at least still release stuff. But yeah, that's a wrap for our Flash episode. Join us back next week when Doug Jones will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 Cast, copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. 
The 42Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.